Hello and welcome to the Weird Geeks Horror Show, where every Friday we'll be covering another instalment in a classic horror franchise. Go to weirdgeeks.com and Weird Geeks on iTunes to check out our other podcast series, social medias, Twitch streams, contact details and news on our very own feature films, albums, shorts and more that are currently in production for our publisher, We Are Tessellate. Weird Geeks is not affiliated with any of the rights holders of the films referenced and no infringement is intended. Geeks! Geeks! Hello and welcome back to the Weird Geeks Horror Show where every single Friday we take you through another installment of Classic Horror Retrospective Franchise. I'm your host Al White and joining me throughout all of the films I decided were important from the 80 slasher movies that we haven't already covered, whether it was in the main franchise or a remake that we did in a Versus franchise before, is Shannon Hollander. Hello. <laughs> and Katie Watson. Hi. I feel like I should talk really fast the rest of the podcast because you just did it. It right. was really impressive. I got to speed talk and I got to... You, 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 you got to... <laughs> I'm just trying to talk as fast as I can. And all I got was you. This is a tricky podcast to summarize because <laughs> we're making it up a little bit. But yes, if you are for whatever reason just tuning in to us here, this is your first episode with us. Hello. Welcome to the warm blanket of just nonchalant <laughs> mischief that we create. We are We Are Geeks. You can head on out to the website wearegeeks.com. You can email us. But can you? I don't know, because sometimes it doesn't work. So just send us a DM. You go to all those social medias, just weird geeks on everything. We yeah, will probably read it on something or we'll reply to you or we'll report it to the police, depending on what it says. Why are you shaking your head at me? Shannon, that's valid. There's very little <laughs> report, report to what the police. Like, honestly. I, yeah, I doubt you're reporting anything. Guys, no. it'll be fine. He's not going to report anything. Plus, he would report it to the British police. And that's, I mean, what are they going to do? If you think the new Wonder Woman trailer looks phenomenal, then I might report you to the police. Other than her swinging on lightning bolts. That bit's cool. That is cool. That is cool. Her and Thor should like totally team up. No. Let's get kissy kissy. No, like he could make the lightning bolts that she could swing from. Oh. Mm. Too bad they're on opposite That's teams. <laughs> is that euphemism? <laughs> Something? Well, uh, now yeah. it is growth, but also too much hotness. I don't think those two are allowed to procreate. Yeah, that'd be. Ooh. Actually, I think they're both so hot, but in very different ways that it would create probably a really not hot child. That's true. <laughs> it's like you go beyond hotness. Their genes would cancel each other out. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, do go to Weird Geeks on your iTunes and on your podcast apps. Do subscribe to us. Do rate us. It's the only way you can help us out. We do all this for free. We don't do patrons. We don't do banner ads. And for the love of Thor and Wonder Woman's non-illegitimate children. We're not going to try and sell you any. Blue Apron. What? What do you say? Blue Apron. Blue Apron? It's like it's a meal the meal subscription like, service. Yeah, the meal prep kits. No meal prep kits. I think, yeah, Facebook's going to try and sell you those. Although yeah, I'm behind. True. I'm for those. You know, anything that gets people actually cooking and not just like sticking shit in a microwave. I'm about that. I will say James and I are subscribed to HelloFresh and we love yeah, it. We look forward I'm to HelloFresh nights. Very proud of you guys. Is there a combo with that? Is it like, hello, fresh? No. Or is it, hello, fresh? Yeah, it's like that. It's like, hello, fresh. Hello, <laughs> fresh. Not sure how I feel about it. 1982, we've managed to finally crawl out of the Debris of 1981. Why did I say Debris? It's Debris. I have no idea. Yeah, I, know. I, was I don't like, know are you why just you said Debris. I was like, what now? word is that? We don't pronounce the S, do no. we? Why use it? Get rid of it from now on. People always curtailing fucking words nowadays and letters. They don't letters. pronounce like any consonants. 
debris. 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 We've crawled out of it anyway. We're not in it anymore. And um, we're in 1982. Thick into the slasher world, the boom, and they're all coming out. It's very exciting. We're going to be dealing with the Slumber Party Massacre, the beginning of the only slasher trilogy written and directed by women throughout. Nice. Gets a five. Get it. It's a 5.7 out of 10 on the old IMDb's. But wait, before we get there, we do like to look at the landscape of the year that was. We're going back to 1982. Somebody has I do, the worldwide gross of that year. Guys, 1982, quite the year. There's a lot of movies on this list that are classics. Classics. I mean, we got Fast Times at Ridgemont High at number 26. It's pretty freaking great. Friday the 13th Part 3 comes in at number 21, just to like get you some landscape. Listen, you know? don't steal my thunder, Shannon. My list is well, very think- short. That's true. That's- <laughs> but Blade Runner at 19? Come on. People like that movie. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get into the top 10 with a movie I have no idea what the fuck it is. Das Boot. <laughs> you haven't heard of Das Boot? No, I haven't heard of Das Boot. What the fuck is Das Boot? Das Boot. It's one of the most important movies of all time. What? That food is like a, a gone with the wind kind of movie. It's like it's... For Germany? It's, I mean, yeah. It's set in a submarine. Mm. All I know it from is movie. the drinking game film yeah. where they are like, Das Beer Fest. Boot! And they have to drink out of the boot. Yep. That's all well, I know what Das maybe. Boot is from is from Beer Fest as well. Yeah. Thank you. That's so to me, this is just a movie about very funny people drinking out of boots. In Lederhosen. In Lederhosen. Hmm. Prove me uh, wrong. No, it's a really important movie. Maybe for some reason in America it didn't didn't. I mean, it is in German, so oh well, then yeah, you guys just, just didn't resonate with the Midwest girl crowd, which is possible. Yeah, yeah that's you true. You guys hate those subtitles. Well, yeah, hate them. We're not hate really allowed hate- anything German in the Midwest except for like hot dogs. Well, to be fair, my family is very word. German, and we come oh. from a German community. So, but still, it's like hot dog, sauerkraut, and polka is all that was allowed. Yeah. Our, my mom's maiden name is literally Funke, like funky. And it was like, we are super German, but because of that Nazi connotation, not allowed. Not German. Anyway. Think, was it Ali? Someone had a ties to Das Boot, like the main actor in it. Oh. Uh, through their family or something. Not me. But anyway. I don't know. Very proud. Let's carry on. But coming in at number nine, Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. Wrath. I think this is so people's wrathy. favorite Star Trek, yeah. isn't it? So wrathy. Does James watch Star Trek? Oh, yeah. He is a huge Star Trek fan. He likes this one? Yep. Oh, yeah. His family, yeah. they're all Star Trek. They are Star Trek over Star Wars for sure. Wow. Yeah. Nerds. Mm-hmm. Bunch of nerds. Those are their allegiances. <laughs> all those space lovers. I do not like Star Trek. I don't think I've legitimately ever sat through an entire Star Trek film other than the new ones. The J.J. Abrams ones? Yeah. Well, yeah. Which I also don't love, but I just don't like Star Trek. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, my stepdad loves Star Trek. I would say he's probably also Star Trek over Star Wars even. I think it is like like true. I, well, I don't know. Some people are going to get real mad at me for saying this, but I feel like the real deep geek is more Star Trek because there's just like so like there's TV series yeah. that the content is so much larger 
Well, no, but that's the big difference. Like, and it frustrates me when people are like, "Oh, what's the difference between the two? And it's like, yeah, neither are better or worse. It's just they do they're very fine tuned to different things. Star Trek is all about the minutiae of the science yeah. fiction. It's all about the science. Yeah, and it's all about like science fiction characters in the science fiction world. Whereas Star Wars is literally just westerns and samurais and cowboys. Yeah, like, it's in fantasy. Space. It's literally just we're having an adventure. It just happens to take place in space. Yeah, and they're not really worried about the science of anything at all. Like, it's not actually weirdly that nerdy and i think that's why star wars is is done bigger overall is because more people can find that accessible yeah 100 percent. i would prefer star wars to to star trek because i don't care about the minutiae of science or math or anything that makes my brain have to hurt clearly i mean you're just an actress (laughs) i'm just an actress hire me coming in at number eight and i think this movie is telling us about what's going on giving us a cultural landscape here number eight porkies (laughs) <laughs> oh boy oh my god that explains I slumber party massacre i feel massacre. like that fits into slumber party massacre at least a little bit number eight yeah porkies, number wow. eight porky well done then it has a higher worldwide box office return than fucking blade runner wow let's remake porkies it's time it's time yeah <laughs> yeah uh, let's see here number seven oh poltergeist one that'll yes. be on katie's list we're going to get to this series at some point for sure. I, I nearly queued it up after this one, actually, but we're going to be doing something different, I think. But I'm looking forward to doing the Poltergeist films because there's only four of them, including the remake, I think. Maybe five. I think there's four. And at least two of them are good. At least two yeah. of them are good. I mean, the first one's directed by Steven Spielberg. Mm. Come at me. I will take your word for it. Coming like at number six, one. Rocky Three. Yeah, this isn't very good. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> I would do all the Rocky films if we did a different podcast, Ugh. though, because that's a fun ride. No, thank you. It is, because you documented him for his entire life. It's kind of crazy. And then you get to the Creed films at the end. It's like, it's kind of crazy. Eh. Mm. Such an interesting franchise. No. Well. The first one's a fantastic movie. I'm not Have saying that the first one, one isn't good. So I'm good. saying the whole series is a lot, and I'm fine with not. I'm personally fine. I'm good. It's just like Thanks. overall too depressing to keep watching. Yeah, the first one is so good, but then I just feel like everything after that is the same movie, but with just different. It really, but I mean, it's really not. Like, it goes crazy for like two, three, and four go increasingly insane, and then they get really deadly serious when they came back with Rocky Balboa, mm-hmm. and then yeah, with Creed it changes focus again. Anyway, we're not doing it, so it doesn't okay. matter. Great. Moving on, number five, First Blood. Again, phenomenal and has the same route. Sylvester Sloan movies. The first films of both of these are phenomenal. I spent most of my life avoiding these because I don't watch stupid, dumb action movies. I didn't enjoy them when I was a kid. And then I got to them when I was like in my mid 20s. I'm like, these are fucking amazing. Yeah, James is slowly trying to make me watch all of these movies. Yeah. They're really good. First Blood is a really, really good film. Like, like it's better than uh, than Rocky One. Like, First Blood is fantastic. Hmm. Well, well, better. Yeah. Yeah. Number four, (laughs) Gandhi. Wow. Yeah, it's not as good. Not as good? (laughs) Uh, Gandhi's great. I haven't seen Gandhi since I was about 11, so I have no recollection of this movie. I mean, I just think of Ben Kingsley and that's it. That's all I need. Yeah. A good back-to-back could be watching Ben Kingsley as Gandhi and then Ben Kingsley's sexy beast just calling everyone a fucking cunt the whole time. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) That works. Number three. An officer and a gentleman. Oh, yeah, baby. Hey, yo. Yes. 
my mom brought me up on this movie. All moms should. As yeah. all dads make you watch First Blood and Rocky, all moms should make you watch An Officer and a Gentleman. There you go. That's a trade-off. It's true. I feel it's a movie, though, if you went back to it now, it'd be like, ooh, this is really terrible. Probably. Women. I haven't <laughs> seen it in a very, very long time. I don't know. Pretty Woman still is pretty good to women. I mean, it's like kind of rings true. If we want to stick with the whole Jason Alexander thing, he's pretty true to life as men go. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I completely forgot about yep. that. Oh, yeah. That's where yeah. I always knew him from. Yeah. Mm. Then coming in, mm. a number two, an excellent movie, Fight Me, Tootsie. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Excellent. Pretty good. Um, it's pretty good. Seen it in a long I haven't time. seen it in a I long time, fight. but I remember she liking it. She wants to fight. She wants to fight, Katie. I don't piece of shit, really want to fight over Tootsie. That's not I what I'm going to choose. It's so good. Or a Tootsie Roll. Yeah, I would definitely <laughs> fight you over a Tootsie Roll. And then coming in hot at number one, blowing out the Tootsie competition <laughs> with like, <laughs> blowing out blowing Tootsie out with tootsie. like, I don't know, <laughs> almost four, I think four times the box office. E.T., the extraterrestrial. Nice. Oh, interesting, because we're going to be talking about E.T. in a few minutes. Yes. And I don't think you would have thought that. Thank you very much, Shannon. That was illuminating as always. Katie Watson. Hi. What kind of spookies were going on in this era other than E.T., which is the spookiest of the spooky? So, we've got (laughs) Amityville 2, The Possession. Oh. Yeah. It's pretty great. Where are we going to- We're going to get to the Amityville I was going to say, when are we doing these? I really like these. Well- the problem with the Amityville is it it's it's like open property essentially. Right. So there are about fifteen to sixteen Amityville films, and I don't want to do that many. I just want to get to the Ryan Reynolds ones. Yeah, but there is a way to do it where you actually and we don't do this. We tend to do video, you know, straight to video, whatever. But with the Amityville, we we might do a series where we just do the ones that had a cinema release, mm-hmm. so the mainstay ones, and that means there's only about six, I think, which is I would do that. Yeah, I would do six different Amityville. I would. Films. Sounds good. And I haven't seen most of them. I've only seen three, I think. I just love the whole concept of it. I think it's great. It's kind of like The Shining, but in a more domestic sense. I mean, you get a bit of them. We covered a little bit of Amityville yes, accidentally did. in one of the Very upsetting movies, to me. Didn't we, Shan? Yeah. Remember it opens in the Amityville house? <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, you have Creep Show. I don't know this one. Creep Show. You, come on. You, have I never introduced you to Creep Show? I, I mean, know. I don't like it. <laughs> It's Stephen King and George Romero. It definitely uh, sounds like a George Romero, but I can't. It's an anthology horror. It's actually got Leslie Nielsen in it. No, is he in that one? Or is, yeah, I think it's in that one. I don't know. Uh, or Liam Neeson. Has I was like, I think you're confusing. <laughs> I really love the title of this. I've never heard it before, which I don't know what that means, but The Dorm That Dripped Blood. Ooh. What? Yeah, this is a slasher that movie. That is an evocative title. I like it. I've seen this film. It's not that. I great. know. I kind of. It's Title's those things when you're like, I've never heard this title before, which probably means it's a great title and not a great film. <laughs> but yeah, there are so many slasher movies from the '80s that I really, really just want the posters because the titles are great and the posters are yes. great, but the films are terrible. I know. I just want like Arrow or Mondo to do covers of some of these, and then I just want to have a whole room of these posters. I mean, honestly, just the originals are great. Like they're all these painted, just like they got some cool designs. I did a tweet about them age last year. I need to. Yeah, well, we need more rooms. <laughs> That'd be a good title for a horror film. We need more rooms. We need more. Rooms. <laughs> Halloween three, season of the witch. Hmm. Katie's favorite Halloween shittiest movie. movie. 
in this series. Do you have a message for our friend Justin Lore? Justin Lore. Speaking of Justin Lore and E.T., your posts currently about Steven Spielberg and E.T.'s dick are like <laughs> continuous and disturbing. <laughs> and I would I would appeal to you to just slack off. No pun intended. None of this makes sense to me. It's <laughs> also, if, you, if you're listening right now, Justin, take off at least one article of clothing. <laughs> and also come at me because season of the witch sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Madman. I also don't know this one. There's a lot of this I don't know. That's another slasher film. It's not good. Pieces, which I think I have seen. It's a Toby Hooper. No, actually, it's, that one's not Toby Hooper, but it's very Toby Hooper influenced. I feel like um, you and I have watched this one. It's got a chainsaw in it. I, do, I think so. No, you would know it because it's got a really cool special edition arrow that I had with like an actual jigsaw that you got with it. And That's stuff, what I'm and remembering. I had it here when you came yeah. Yeah. It's one of those films I always go back and think I'm going to like each time. Right. And I don't. One of my absolute favorite films of all time, The Thing. Which is oh, one of the just, main reasons I want to oh. go to Antarctica and Iceland is because I just want this to happen. Genuinely in the top five horror films of all time. I for agree. Me. Wholeheartedly. Fantastic. Shannon, we should watch it. The Thing? You'd love it. The Thing. You've heard of The Thing, Shannon, surely. It's so good. I mean, I have heard of Kurt The Thing. Russell. Kurt Russell. Yeah. I've never seen The Thing. You should watch it. So I feel Carpenter, like you might be okay, okay with it because it happens in, a, in relation to a location that you'll never <sighs> really be in. Like, it wouldn't be a situation in which you would find yourself. So, I feel like yeah, you might be able to distance yourself movie. from it. Yeah, I'm not so going to find so myself in like a, a sh- mine shaft at any time soon, but I'm still fucked up by Bloody <laughs> Valentine. That's true. That's valid. That's true. <laughs> the thing was like a big bomb at the time, but it was... So, John Carpenter is one of those people people call a master of horror. And I've come to appreciate, you know, The Fog. You know, I appreciate it. Christine, actually, I appreciate it. I do think he's got a lot more talent than most of the masters of horror, inverted commas. I think loads of them do not. But he made two masterpieces, and one was Halloween, and the other is the thing. Agreed. And it's a flip of the coin with which you think mm. it's better, because they're completely opposite movies from each other, other than they're both shot very elegantly and beautifully. But they couldn't be like, Halloween is quite subtle and quite, you know, you know, like the thing is this pot boiler mm-hmm. that goes to crazy places. And it came out at the tail end of practical effects before we started doing, you know, a bit more CGI, mm. or sorry, interp- bringing in digital effects. And it's a master work of yeah. practical effects. That's still pastiched in things to this day. Like we just saw something that ripped off massively. Oh, yeah. It's phenomenal. And it has one of my favorite endings of all time in cinema. It's an incredible yeah. movie. Well, Between right. this and The Descent, these are probably two of my favorite horror films ever. Oh, yeah. Oh, and that soundtrack. And it's so cool because it's like a John Carpenter style soundtrack, but it's actually Ennio Motokani. It's just, and in most of it, it's just like, dun, 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 yep. dun, 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 So dun, good. Dun, dun. Oh, it's so good. So good. I don't really want to talk about the last one because I don't know it. And I feel like we should just end on the thing. But I'm going to say it because it's on the list. Say it. Visiting Hours. It's lame. I don't like the title. This is not a slasher film set in a hospital. It has a really cool poster. All of the windows in the hospital are turned out other than ones that are turned on that, that make the shape of a skull. Well. Not a cool poster. All right. Bad film. Uh, there you go. So lots of slash movies with a sprinkling of other things as to be expected. We're going to be talking about the Slumber Party Massacre. And for those of you paying attention, for those of you who've been with us on this entire journey, you know that these two clowns have to pay extra attention this week because when we get to week seven or eight or whatever it is, you're going to have to pick the week prior of do you want to watch Slumber Party Massacre 2 or do you want to go back and watch Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2? I feel like I can make that decision right now. Well, wait, wait. <laughs> I will. <laughs> 
I mean, if it's clear by the end of this episode, then you can say. I just think it might be fun for people to get to the end of one week and then they find out what they're listening to oh, next week. I won't say but I anything, know. but my mind is made okay. up. Directed by Amy Holden-Jones. Now, Amy Holden-Jones, we're going to get into a bit more of her history in a second. She only ended up directing four films. The last one was in 1996, which was called The Rich Man's Wife. But she did write all, I think all, definitely at least six or seven of them, of the Beethoven movies. Oh, oh wow. And she also wrote Mystic Pizza. What? Nice. Another classic and Julia oh, Proposal. Yes. And she's currently writing the TV show The Resident. Don't know. Oh, crazy. But she didn't write this, although she did do a rewrite on it. I would watch a whole TV series on in, like something similar to an indecent proposal. That'd be so good. She should write that. <laughs> I don't think I've seen you that excited in a long time. I'm very into TV this year. Such good TV. So <laughs> there is. Yeah. A lot of Do it, TV. lady. Do it. This film was written by Rita Mae Brown. This was her first movie and she stopped writing in 1998. We'll get into more about her in a minute. DP'd by Stephen L. Posey. Who had with DP Bloody Birthday slash movie Friday Thirteenth A New Beginning, which is the one which Jason is not in, but he did also work in Electric Department on The Howling, Bachelor Party with good old Tom Hanks mm. and Repo Man. What music by Ralph Jones? Ralph Jones also worked on a film called Love Letters, which is also by Amy Holden Jones, starring Jamie Lee Curtis and produced by Roger Corman. The year after this, and Ralph Jones is Amy Lee Holden Jones's brother. This movie stars Michelle Michaels as Trish. She would work in Death Wish 4 and New Year's Evil. Robin Still as Valerie, who very, very tragically committed suicide uh, in 1996 at 34 years old. This was her first film. She would also work in American Ninja 4 and, for genre fans, Sorority Babes and the Slimeball Bowlerama. Which is a fucking hoot. It is a hoot. And I wish we could have had a reason to put it in here because the year that came out, we don't have a solid contender. And I wish we could put in Sorority <laughs> Papes and the Slime Bowl Bolorama, but it's not a slasher. Bummer. Deborah DeLiso as Kim. This was her first real film and she is still working. Andre Honor as Jackie, who only did this film and then a couple of TV movies in 2009 and 2010. <laughs> but we'll get to something else about her in a second. Gina Smika Hunter as Diane. She was in the Oregon Trail, The Sword and the Sorcerer, and then stopped in 1985. Jennifer Myers as Courtney. This was her only film. And Michael Villella as Russ Thorne, who would go on to be in Wild Orchid 2, Two Shades of Blue. I mean, he's worked sporadically up until about 2011. This movie is a Roger Coleman production. Don't know if you knew that. Budgeted at two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Wow! Should we leave to the end? I always do the box office up front. Would you rather I left it to the end? You can guess how much this made, or do you want to guess now since you have seen it? Uh, you can tell us now. Okay, I have a guess though. Two hundred fifty thousand dollars was the budget of this movie. It was a Roger Corman production, so you know he does these little weird cheap movies where you have to have boobs. I'm gonna say, well, they made a bunch of sequels, so it had it done well. I'm gonna say thirty-four million. Holy Jesus shit. Christ. Is that way too much? I was like around the like 4 million range. Oh. Yeah, I mean 3.6 million, yeah. oh. which is a lot yeah. for a movie like this. I was like, well, if, unless listen, you're a Halloween. I aim high. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> you certainly do. I thought people would be impressed it made 3.6 million. I, I was like, <laughs> oh, would it have made not. more than a million? Uh, like I was teetering around there. So now here's what I'm going to ask everybody to do. If you're listening and to you two here, Go on to your IMDb on your phone right now or your laptop. 
get in there. What are we looking okay. up? I'm going to tell you once you bring it up. Tell me once you brought it up. Giving everyone a chance. Justin Lords, don't put your clothes back on, buddy. Just get the phone out of your pocket. Okay. Shannon's always got IMDb up, so she doesn't need yeah. to do anything. I'm on my page That's, currently. Just so, you know, go get my meter. page a visit. Shannon Hollander. <laughs> You're a fucking terrible person. I want you to look up Andre Honor. So just go to Slumber Party Massacre and then scroll down to Andre Honor, who played Jackie in this movie. Let me know when you found her. And then I want you to click on her. And I want you to take a look at the photos that she has on her IMDb right now. Yes. <laughs> which as I was, as uh, Tom was looking them up. So I was watching oh, these with Tom, which is great. Oh my God. <laughs> Yes. He was like, I think I just found her her Tinder what profile. I know, hundred percent. Does she have a manager or an agent? Like the one of her lying what? on the bed is great. Her cleavage is she literally absolutely has insane. a picture of her with like bunny ears on. Yes, bunny ears. The bunny ears <laughs> one's great. I'm into this. I, I just think it's absolutely. Plus, I don't think she owns oh, a top that doesn't show her cleavage. Interesting. She's managed by the same company that manages Deborah DeLisa, who played Kim. I was, I was oh, really? about to say, I really <laughs> hope you're not about to say that manages me, because <laughs> you need a new manager. I know. I'd be like, Aida, questionable decisions. <laughs> the one that's looking over the banister. Like, what is that? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so good. What is what? that? Like, that's the worst it, angle. Why would you choose that angle? And then photos oh with the, her husband so i guess not her tender profile i don't know i don't know he looks a little frightened he so does maybe she just grabbed him oh he <laughs> was a former denver broncos player there you go she's like quick this is going on my am to be my mdib anyway god please deep respect andre i think it's pretty pretty fantastic anyway let's get back to slumber party massacre i just thought you guys had to see that wow so this movie is an interesting movie for many, many reasons. Rita Mae Brown, who wrote this, is a feminist activist. She wrote this screenplay, her first screenplay, and originally called it Don't Open the Door. You're going to read some stuff online that says she originally called it Sleepless Nights. That's not true. It did, well, as far as I can tell from lots and lots of research, that is not true. Sleepless Nights is something that was called later, basically because when they were trying to get locations, they didn't want to call it Slumber Party Massacre because people wouldn't want to right. rent their house to you oh, right. <laughs> so they changed the name to sleepless nights to make it seem a little meeker but no it was originally called don't open the door um and she wrote it as a parody on teen slasher films she was looking at what was already happening by that point mm-hmm. which again still pretty early and wanted to make a parody of it it got passed on to producers roger corman took it and shelved it for new world cinema and wanted to turn it into a serious slasher against her wishes she was like nope this is a parody but hey she needed the money apparently now Amy Holden Jones, the director of this, she was noticed at AFI Film Festival. And Scorsese saw this film that she'd done, this short film that she'd done, and liked it and voted for her. And she ended up winning the prize at AFI Film Festival that year. She then contacted him when she thought he was doing a movie to say, hey, if you need any help on anything, can I help? Do you remember me? He remembered her, brought her on as Martin Scorsese's assistant on a little film called Taxi Driver. Oh, shit. Of which the DP of Taxi Driver would go on to marry her. (laughs) Oh, wow. Then eventually he handed her over essentially to Roger Corman because again, I don't know, I can't remember. I know Katie, we've talked about Roger Corman because of Piranha. 
don't know if Shannon really, you've probably nope. heard of Roger Corman, no? Maybe. Roger Corman's a very important figure, and he's seen as someone who, yeah, he likes his boobs, he likes his schlock, he does, like, cheap movies, normally horror, but he's the starting point for, like, yeah, Martin Scorsese, Jonathan Demme, like, so many big directors came Weird. and producers came from Roger Corman's world of just, like, getting output, and he's really, like, respected and admired, but we covered him in the Prana series, so I'm not going to do it again here. He basically handed her over to Roger Corman. As Corsavi said, in his words, she's too talented to be an assistant. And so she began editing. And what happened was she wanted to do directing. She wasn't really enjoying the editing. She didn't feel she was expressing herself by working on other people's movies. And so she looked on Roger Corman's shelf and he had this movie called Don't Open That Door. And this was the one that spoke to her the most out of all of the, let's be honest, probably trash on Mm -hmm. his shelves. Mm -hmm. And she took $1,000 of her own money cast through LA University, brought in her husband, who, yes, was the DP of Taxi Driver and Raging Ball, the Lost Boys uh, Space Jam, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, oh the good God. version from 1978. Got him to help her a little bit, getting some equipment and stuff and some advice. And yet shot the first 10 minutes of the script that they had at the time using her just $1,000 of her money. She then sent that to Roger Corman and he was like, how much money did you shoot this for? She said $1,000. He said, you have a future in film. Uh, She then wanted to go and make her own movie, but he was like, no, I now want you to finish this movie. I want you to go out and do this properly, and I'm going to give you $250,000 to do it. So she got to go away and like rewrite the script a little bit and kind of tweeted a little bit, so it wasn't going to be a parody any really anymore. There was going to be humor in there, but she wanted to approach it also as a serious film and kind of tread that line between the two. Roger Corman is Roger Corman. So he wanted it. He just basically said to her, Halloween, just make this Halloween. And he would just give that kind of instruction for different films. <laughs> like, uh, just be this film. Just be better. We want to make money. So right. like, this one should be Halloween. This one should be Friday the 13th. This one should be a nightmare. The second film, if we choose to do it, he told someone, make a nightmare on Elm Street, which may affect whether Shannon wants to do the second film or not <laughs> for week seven or eight. Mm-mm. Now... <laughs> She then had this dangling fruit of, okay, cool, I can make this my first movie. She got offered another job at that point, which she turned down to make Slumber Party Massacre. Oh, no. She was offered the job to edit E.T. Oh, my gosh. <gasps> oh, shit. Uh, but she turned it down so that she could shoot Slumber Party Massacre. Wow. Yeah, she hates Oscars. She said there was a lot of people who still think she made, you know, who thinks she made the wrong decision. She disagrees. Like, she thinks she made the right decision because no matter what, she got to make her first movie. Yeah. Um, and she got to have her own voice and do that rather than editing, sure, a great director, but someone else's film. Um, I think, and I wouldn't disagree with her I at think all. that's a valid take. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, especially you know, when she I, was. You never know what sh- other paths are going to be. Yeah, listen, you know, I uh, valid take, sure, that's all great, but also I'm sure there's part of her that's like, ah, E.T. Of course, you have no idea. Like she could have edited E.T., gone on with Spielberg, and then cultivated her right. talents a little bit more, and then gone on to still direct later and make something even better than Slumpy Party. Yeah, but she, if she wasn't but, happy doing editing, like she, it, you know, right. and especially at that time, like you don't know what is going to be a great film and what's going to just be another film. So yeah, you can't and if risk and, and, losing and the fair, opportunity. She didn't love it. Yeah, but it's like if you she, risk the opportunity to make your own film and then she's just an editor for the rest of her career when she doesn't want to be editing. It's like you should yeah. absolutely jump on the opportunity to make your own movie. Well, and just yes. think of how the film could have been different 
yeah. you know, to have this editor who's like a little bit resentful of, oh, I could have been making right. my own movie right now, editing my E.T. Like, how would that have affected that film? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's true. No, completely. And if you're a creative person out there listening, just to be clear, don't look back on your decisions because you're going to have to make a lot of these yeah. choices and don't regret them. You made your decision and you made it with the best of the information you have exactly. at the time and don't get haunted by that because you have no idea. You could have made the other decision and walked out the next day and got hit by a bus because of the decision yep. you made. You know? Or you so, could let all of your choices keep you up at night and never sleep again, <laughs> just running through all of the shoulda, woulda, couldas and just letting your mind go. Just let it be free, free to tell you how stupid you cake. were. <laughs> That's my life. Hire me. (laughs) (sighs) But some things are extra. Yep. Anyways, that's like, honestly, this is an interesting movie because of all of that stuff. Like, it's an interesting bunch of people. Interesting way it got made. Again, coming from a feminist activist to begin with as a parody, being interpreted for Roger Corman's eyes. Going then to a female director, which at this point was unheard of for slasher movies and still is really uh, very, very rare. And someone with some interesting pedigree in the world that she'd come from and working for Martin Scorsese and all of this stuff. Now, that said, and she's very candid, and I've watched the audio commentary with her, and I've watched, you know, making ofs with her. She's very clear. When you work for a Roger Coleman production, you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like you are, there are certain mm-hmm. mandates involved, and there's certain things just like, okay, Emphasis well, on here's the where man. I have to do this. <laughs> so, yeah, as we'll go through the film. We'll definitely note things. Because the problem is, is then this movie gets held up as this is the, you know, the first feminist slasher movie. And in some ways, it is. And in other ways, it isn't. Because there is still a man producing it who has a very particular set of rules that you have to stick by. Mm-hmm. And I mean, one thing I do, I will say, if people, anybody who rallies against her, because she gets a lot of shit for this as well. It's like, as a female director, you made this movie and you show like boobs and all of this stuff. And she's very unhappy that people don't embrace her because she's like, no one criticizes, yeah, Martin Scorsese and directors who like started from places where at the beginning of your career, you have to like, you have to do these things. These mm-hmm. are the things that is expected of you by the producers. But because she's a woman, she gets chastised for doing a film with that, which is like, I'm just a director in this industry. Right. And this is what was expected of a male director in this industry. And this is what was expected of a female director in this industry. And the fact that you're going to judge me differently because of my gender is fucking terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because she did what she could. And we'll go through this film and, you know, decide if she gets her own voice in there or not. But I agree with her. Like, she should absolutely not be ashamed of making this movie and doing what she did. All right. Let's get into talking about this film. Now, what I really love is that the music and title just come straight up at the beginning yeah. of this film. It's just... I know. Like, this is so ominous from the beginning. It's cool. The music is fucking great in this. And it was, yeah, made by her brother. They had They had literally zero budget for the movie. That so her brother did it on a Casio synthesizer that was about two feet wide. That also tracks. That makes a lot of <laughs> sense, especially toward the end when we get an overload of organ music. It's got so much character, though. Like I go back to this film now because I've seen this film quite a lot of times. And it's just like that soundtrack is just like... I don't know. Maybe on the first watch is difficult. But when, you, when you go back and you hear it, it's, you immediately know what film it is. Yeah. Like, it, it's... An identity. It reminds me of playing with the toy Casio pianos whenever you're a kid and like you've had some music lessons. So like, you know how to like put a couple like notes and chords together and you're just playing with all the different functions on it. <laughs> That's what it reminds me of. Like it's the kid from Bob's Burgers who's just like trying to, what does this sound make? What does this <laughs> sound make? What does this sound make? Yeah. 
But it's a thin, it's honestly, and obviously he's just gone with, okay, Roger Corman said Halloween, so I'm going to try and copy Halloween, right. but all I have is a synthesizer. But it is a thin line between this ding, 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 that he does in this to like ding, 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 ding. And one is a masterpiece for sure. And one isn't. Right. But it's not that far off, really. Like, it's just like the context of what he's got nothing else to play with. And he doesn't have, you know, obviously as much talent as John Carpenter. But it's still like, I don't know. This is a melody that I know, like, quite well. And it sticks in my head. It just feels, um, it so feels constantly to me very theatrical, like actually being at a play. So that is kind of what it feels like is that somebody is doing a play, but the sound guy is very into John Carpenter. And he's like, I want to emulate that as close as I can. And so it it definitely has that vibe of trying to strive for greatness, but feeling very low budget. Yeah. Which is what it was. Yeah. Which it absolutely, absolutely is. Yeah. So then we're going to pan down some palm trees to a suburban house, which is actually on Mountain View Avenue. Which was in Venice. Yep. L.A. I know. I As um, it's panning down, I was like, I know this neighborhood. This is our hood. Yes, you do. I love it. <laughs> Not it okay. Is, uh, this was chosen because it was close to Amy, the director's house, who she lived in Venice. Nice. And they literally knocked on doors until they found the houses that they could use. They needed three in a row, basically. And they just they didn't do anything through location scouts or anything. They couldn't afford that stuff. You just went and knocked on doors and said, hey, can we use your house? Hey, can we use your house? <laughs> and there's a documentary you can see on YouTube where actually the kid I sent you a video of, which everyone should check out, who opens the Slumber Party Massacre VHS or Betamax or whatever on Christmas and is very excited. So excited. Yeah, freaking out. He went on to make this documentary about Slumber Party Massacre. Um, oh, you're kidding. That's no. the same kid? That's great. Yeah. And he went and visited. He felt like uh, what the like the house and stuff. And they've got like people going in there and talking to the owners and telling these stories of yeah, we were promised this stuff. Although like they said they wouldn't use the kitchen, and then they put a body in our fridge. <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't use the kitchen. We just borrowed it. <laughs> That's hilarious. So we're gonna watch a paper boy who's setting up a story. We're not gonna get any of the precursors that we're used to. We're not gonna learn anything about Thorn. We're just going to get a newspaper being thrown saying a mass murderer of five escapes and the name Thorn. Plus, like, that's it. I guess it's just the time, but I never considered a mass murderer to be a murderer of six people. I mean, I don't know. I don't know when it like, technically that's is. That's not massive. That's serial. Maybe to add a mass. Yeah. It's like serial. Well, yeah. Well, and they don't call him a serial killer. They say a mass murderer. I so what do, I wonder what the difference is. Does anybody know? Tweet at us if you know the difference. So I'm, I'm pretty sure Google no. knows. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like us. it's like you killed all the people in the same location as opposed to lots of murders spread out over a period yeah, of time. Yeah, serial is like continuing to reenact and continuing to do the same thing. Mm. Yeah. Whereas mass murder, and a mass murder could be impromptu, whereas a serial killer, I feel you have to be planned. Yeah. I don't know. Mm. Now, and this is where the film immediately for me gets a little bit confusing. Because we get who we presume is our final girl mm -hmm. waking up. We've got sweet music, lots of pink all around the room. <laughs> you're very into this aerial Little Mermaid Yeah, song. you're singing Little Mermaid. I used <laughs> to love that as a kid. It's what your alarm is in the morning, isn't it, Shannon? A hundred percent. And then I speak to the birds and they dress me. <laughs> well, now you're varying into Snow White territory. I'm just, I'm making it all happen. <laughs> And then my three fairy godmothers, they come and they help me bake a cake. 
which <laughs> eat more of your cake, Shan. Yeah. <laughs> this is, yeah, so like the credits are going to keep rolling throughout this. And again, I was watching this with Tom and me and Tom, yeah, always have the game of like, okay, how many kills are there going to be and how many boobs are we going to see? Because like, mm-hmm. that's what you're expecting. So let's like place our bets before we go in for better or worse. And as soon as we get to her, like you see her stand up and start to like, you know, undress and stuff. And we're just like, surely we're not going to see her boobs because she's clearly the final girl. And then top yep. comes off within yeah. one minute and get your first boobs in this movie. Boobies! Which, yep. Roger Corman yep. mandate. <laughs> you have to see boobs in the first few minutes. Amy was like, this was the easiest contextual way to do that. So, yeah. fine. I mean, and it feels very natural. Yep. I mean, it's like that is what you would wear to bed. That is what you would, how you would get dressed the next day. I mean, yeah, at some point your boobs do have to be out. She she do, I do feel, I mean, there's more natural ways to act it. Like, she does just stand yeah. there oh, yeah. and then it just It is take a little bit off. like she's being dressed by birds herself. <laughs> like, she just kind of, like, lets the dress, like, drape down her bosom. <laughs> but I will say the very first time I saw this movie, and I saw this one quite late. I never got around to it because it just looked like it was going to be really low tier. And I was watching a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of slasher films at the time. And really just a lot of trash. And this opening begins... And then we get, yeah, this shot of the radio by the bed with the pink mm-hmm. and then her feet coming down and the position of where they've put the titles and stuff. And it's going to be hard for me not to oversell this because, again, I was watching a lot of trash <laughs> at the time. But I was immediately like, oh, this is a director who knows how to compose a shot. Mm-hmm. I was like, mm-hmm. this, I, and I don't want to put it down to just to the credit of she's a female director, but there is a feminine quality to a lot of the way things are shot here, yeah which just feels more considered than how men tend to in slasher films yeah and i really immediately was like oh i could like this film because it just felt a little different even though it's clearly very cheap you know it's going from terror train to this or going from burning to this or going from prowler to this like this obviously doesn't have you know those assets and as we're gonna get more into it it definitely has that kind of halloween character to it in that it feels very suburban and very about the characters and not really about i mean it just feels very familial like that it's Mm -hmm. it seems authentic in the way that it's being shot and it might be because that is derived from not having a lot of money but it i like that vibe that it gives off no i agree and i think amy did her job she did she she was asked to make a halloween kind of clone and i think she does make a halloween obviously not to the level of halloween but yeah there's that flavor is is there one of the things i find absolutely hilarious is okay so this girl wakes up takes off her top and then without looking at her body or she's not in front of a mirror she seems to go oh i woke up and i have boobs right to get rid of all of my childhood toys i know (laughs) she just (laughs) i'm a woman now Time to get rid of all of my childhood. It's so fucking weird. Oh, well, well I, think, I know why I think she... the impetus is she's going to have the girls yeah. over, right? Yeah. For the the big, like, we're 18 now. Right. Like, slumber party. But has she, has she never had her friends over before then? It's like, it doesn't it's... seem like it. Well, it does feel like there's a couple things that they say and that she specifically talks about how, like, you can't recreate the old times, you know, whenever the girl goes off. To get beer slash Mm -hmm. fuck her boyfriend. Just stuff like that. So it does seem very much so like she's trying to put together like one last hurrah for her childhood friends. Right. Or something before the big game. Yeah. Because this is the strange thing with this movie. It's like because we're starting with her. We're shown her as, you know, we're getting some, I don't want to say depth, but we're getting something with her character here. 
and she does and because of the music and the way that she's acting she definitely feels like a final mm-hmm. girl yeah but as we creep through this movie we're going to realize i mean she is technically but she's also not really yeah. the lead of this movie right and she's actually kind of the leader of her gang yeah. she's actually pretty like she's not like meek in any way whatsoever yeah no there's kind of like dual final girls in this movie you know what i mean because they can't they all bear typical characteristics of a final girl but you need both of them in order to make one if that makes sense well let's get let's get to it let's go through because i do think it's really interesting Mm -hmm. to us so then she goes aside she meets the parents who are leaving she's got this creepy ass neighbor I just love how the parents are leaving as like newspapers of serial killer on the loose in Venice are being thrown onto the doorstep. The the radio is saying it like it's just everywhere. And the parents are like, okay, this seems like an appropriate time for us to leave you (laughs) completely alone as a teenage girl by yourself with the male neighbor to be your only guardian throughout. So have a good time. Yeah. Be the sure creepy to lock male the door. Yeah. Who I can't believe, like, I can't believe they don't do anything. Yeah. Like, I mean, thankfully they don't, but anything sexual with the neighbor, because I'm like, this seems like it's going to a right. place. And then as soon as they're like, you got the neighbor to look after you, she literally turns in front of them all and just goes, shit. <laughs> it's like, they can still hear yeah. you. Right. And then has to affirm by turning to them, mom, I'm 18 now. I know what I'm, I'm doing. I'm going to be fine. I have boobs. I checked. Right. So, yeah, she throws all of her children's stuff into the trash can and it walks away. Again, yeah, in a Halloween kind of shot, but this shot kind of sums up the difference because in a Halloween shot, yeah, you would do this. Yes, you would linger. And you might have, like, Michael standing there in the foreground, out of focus, breathing. Mm-hmm. Here we have just some, it looks like the gaffer's yep. hand just reaches yeah. in to grab her top. Yep. And why? I know. Like, why does any of this happen? Who knows? But why does he grab a doll from a bin? It's so weird. Yeah. Everything about what eventually becomes our murderer, and especially the end where he speaks, is it's all strange. It's all strange. Like, why he does anything is strange. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. So, we're cutting school. There are two guys chatting. Um, and it was only on this watch, actually, because I listened to some podcasts and, again, these interviews with people like a lot of women. A lot of women love this movie, a whole bunch, particularly horror fans. And one of the reasons because all the guys are fucking useless in this film. Yeah. And there's this poll thing, which they claim was done accidentally. I don't know if it was or wasn't, but where they actually switched the roles in this entire film. Yeah. So all yeah. of the women are useful and fighters. All of the men are useless and even in all of these things, like everyone we're going to meet, here these two guys are going to bump into an electrician yep. yeah. who is female. We're going to get someone who's drilling holes in doors later who is female. Yep. Yep. We're going to get the teacher. It's female. Yep. It's like all of the people in charge in this film are yep. women. Yes. Well, all of the roles attractive young that women. are normally taken by men in this film are all female. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. We're really like beating over the head the like, women can do anything. Yeah. Yes. Uh, while still looking fantastic. Seriously, mm-hmm. that electrician. We can admire their butts Come and on. still she can wire our telephone. <laughs> yeah, she can do <laughs> She can do so it she, all. She, we got to pan down to her butt, which again, to be fair, she's wearing like full all over clothing. But, yeah, I mean, you know, but they're still the 80s, so. 80s jeans, which. Yes. Get it. Still nice booty. And that like headband yeah. thing. So good. Yeah. The women can do anything in this film except be heard when they're screaming, as well, we will soon find it's out. That, it's that soundproof telephone van. 
you know? That's it. That's gotta, what it is. You gotta soundproof the inside of those telephone vans because you never know. You never know. So Jeff, being a gentleman, he has offers to help her with her ladder. Um, and then we have some terrible dialogue with things like, would you ever consider dating a younger man? You know what they say about younger men. Try it. You'll like it. Like, yeah. There's not even a punchline. Well, <laughs> there is a weird recurring background theme in this film of try it, you'll like it. Or like there's a sign at the end. I'd have to look at my, I can't find it in my notes right now. That's like. Just go slow or whatever. Eventually, you'll like it. Close your eyes. You'll like it. Things that are yep. very rapey yep. <laughs> in their connotations. And I am positive that they are purposeful. Yeah, But it's for all sure. very strange. And I'm not quite sure. Like, that. it's not how big it is. It's what's in it. That ca- Like, there's yep. just weird. Oh, yeah. Those things for sure. Oh, relax and enjoy it. Slow down and enjoy it. Try it. You'll like it. That's it. Like, yeah. all of these things that are yeah. things that men say to coax women into having sex come up in the background over and over again. Right. Which I think, it because the problem is it's very hard to tell with this movie what's from the first draft, which again was written as mm-hmm. a parody by a feminist activist, mm-hmm. and then what's in the second right. draft. And to be clear, only women, as far as anyone can tell, and Amy says, and like all the information out there, only women ever touched this script. But then Amy rewrote it to make it a little bit more serious. So there could be like remnants of what was the parody, like that reoccurring thing that you're picking up on maybe was part of a parody that right. was more prominent originally, and then got toned down a little bit. So now it's like... Now it feels more awkward because it loses maybe its point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not, but there's like I it's signage in the back of the teenage girl, the young girl's room that we'll get to it when we get there. But it says like slow down and enjoy it. Like it's part of the art direction. Yeah. Well, and then there's another scene later on where she's having a conversation with her boyfriend. And like her first thing is about how she needs to practice presumably like either sex or blowjobs more so that she'll get better at it so there are definitely like these influences of this is all that we're like given like this is all that Mm -hmm. men are telling us and this is what we're being fed like that this is what we're important and we also can't underestimate even if you're a feminist activist or even if you're just a woman like amy making a film it's 1981 and who knows where your brain's at when you're writing right. something like some things are gonna like come across on purpose and some aren't just because that's what yep. society's right. telling you yep. these people would say yep. i have a far-fetched theory but we'll get to it later yeah <laughs> okay okay <laughs> anyway she's not into it slightly into it she's she's just like i do love how relaxed she is yeah. and stuff and they're like are all electricians is pretty it's like i really wouldn't know yeah. <laughs> but she doesn't seem fed up with them either no, and then they walk all. off and she kind of smiles at them like Maybe I would. And then gets grabbed, pulled into her van, and killed by old, what's his name? Thorn. Drill bay. With yeah. his drill. Yeah. He's going to kill everyone again, with a drill other than one. Yeah. She's banging on the windows and screaming. And these guys are just like, I hear nothing. I am nothing. But it's kind of cool. I like this. I kind of like the shot. I like, and one of the things I do think is also evoking Halloween is it's broad daylight. And a lot of this movie, the first half, it is broad daylight. Yeah, she gets drilled off screen, though. Blood sprays up. So, yeah, not much gore. But what do you expect? Then we cut to a basketball game. And I feel like I'm back in the burning. Yes. Because uh, yeah. we just got a lot of girls. Not all White bras, t-shirts, no bras. Yes. We're playing basketball. Because another recurring theme of this movie is women are athletic. 
Yeah, but also yes. can't play basketball. Like these are yeah, not professional also basketball players. Shitty at basketball. They yeah. are so bad. Even like Valerie, who's supposed to be so good, shoots the ball with like two fucking hands. Yep. I was so annoyed. <laughs> My favorite right. line though isn't over the coach with like one of the girls misses a shot and it was a shot she shouldn't have taken the coach is like larry bird you ain't it's like i appreciate that coach so much now (laughs) who is easily as young as the girls here i get get quite confused with the coach and trisha yeah yeah Yeah, so the guys are just admiring valerie playing and she makes a which i love because all of these girls are freaking smoking hot in these short oh, yeah. shorts and like no bras and yet they're being very discriminatory against certain girls and like oh she's old news Val's the new girl so she's suddenly like the hot one and I was like all these girls are way out of your guys' league like it's like oh, Mutt, yeah. Mutt and Jeff commenting on goddesses playing basketball it's yeah. ridiculous no they are to be fair though, Valerie is like, she's kind of like, what's her name from when we did Terror Train? I like, know, but they're all so league. hot. They really are. They are. There's they're no ugly hot. girls in this group. Like, they're all like no, 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 gorgeous no, 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 no. with great asses. They're all crazy hot. Yeah. But Beautiful. Valerie is like in a different sort of level. Yes. Yeah. I, um, I can agree with that. Valerie is very pretty, but they are all gorgeous women. I wouldn't kick any of them out of my bed. I'm just saying. Brood. That's right. I mean, none of them are playing on well, my basketball team because they all suck, but yeah. That's they're true. All, they're all super hot. Terrible at basketball. Yeah. Well, that's going to feed it nicely because then we cut to the showers and the infamous scene. Oh, my What God. this film is really known for is the shower scene. With the very first line as we cut to the shower scene, I think your tits are getting bigger. Yeah. As we follow a girl who's disrobes and then we just follow her butt into the shower. Right. And then this tracking shot, which is actually a really cool shot other than what happens midway through where we pan for like three girls as they're talking. Everyone's just talking about boys the whole time. We get a second set of boobs from one of the girls, and then we get just a pan down right. to Trisha's butt and then back up again, which is very interesting in the audio commentary, like hearing this stuff, like how, how candidly they have, you know, they talk about it with the actors there and with Amy there as mm-hmm. well. And just like, yeah, like she's like, a, and they're all saying, yeah, I think you can tell. Like as a female director, you have your scenes where I get to like have my voice and then I get to things like this of like, okay, we're this far through. Roger Corman demands another pair of boobs and we're in a shower. You demand like this kind of thing. Yeah. And she's like, that shot. She was like, yeah, I slightly regret doing like the pan down and the pan up. But then as it's happening in the audio commentary, she's like, but also, how do you complain? I mean, she looks phenomenal. Yeah, she's she does. like a statue. Seriously. I mean, honestly, you know, like, her yeah. body, that butt is incredible. Yep. All of the women in this movie. I have never looked as good a day in my life as any of these fucking women. So I get it. They're probably for them. They're like, yeah, here are my beautiful tits. I'd like to immortalize them. This is my perfect butt. I'd like to immortalize this in this film because they are. They are stunning people remember. i know and for you to be able to document your body when it did look like that and to be able to go back i don't know it's a vanity thing for sure but especially as a woman and especially in film for you to be able to just go back and say i had that i wouldn't be upset about I, having that on tv i agree with you both but it's one of the things again tom hadn't seen this film and it is interesting watching with tom is tom someone who again you know people don't know watch a lot of horror we grew up well, not didn't grow up together but since film school watched a lot of slashes together and he enjoys a naked lady as much as most people do. But 
he had to just like that moment happens and he just like started laughing it's like is this for real (laughs) because yeah if a male director had done this shot you'd be in a lot of trouble because it's you are broken away from the film you have a lovely contextual thing where yeah there's a lot of nudity but we get it you're in a shower even following the butt into the shower kind of makes sense and this point you break from film because you literally just pan down and there's no reason it's not even like she drops the soap there's no reason to do it other than to go look here's a butt Mm -hmm. it feels exploitative it feels voyeuristic but like you know how like friday the 13th part two or no it was the burning whenever she's like full nude getting in the water and it feels like she is unhappy to do it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like the vibe of these women is that they're just chill And gabbing and the conversation that they're engaged in is also a little demeaning in terms of like your boobs are bigger and these boys and these boys and, you know, all that sort of Mm -hmm. stuff isn't great either. But the feel of the shower scene doesn't make me feel icky. I Mm -hmm. totally recognize that it's exploitative. What like pulls me out of it even more than the butt is whenever she turns to like pass soap and you would naturally because she's already facing towards the shower. So you would yeah, naturally yeah, yeah. just hand it to her and not turn. But she does a full turn to camera to showcase her tits once more and then like reaches over with her opposite hand <laughs> in order to hand the show soap in order to showcase the tits even more. <laughs> that is the thing that feels because at least everything else is just like voyery, whatever. But that is then an action and a behavior this woman is taking just to showcase her tits for camera and that feels weird to me <laughs> yeah no and i hear completely what, you, what you're saying i do think it is something interesting with this movie though it's like yeah even in the exploitative moments for the most part at least it does not feel icky yeah. i think that's an interesting way to say it does and i think you can tell and i don't know really how it's such a weird thing but you can tell it feels like there's a female on set yeah. mm-hmm. running since. well you can um, tell that there's somebody there who they can make like equally respect or at least be sympathetic toward who can explain the scene to them in a way that maybe makes them feel more at ease than a man who's like, this is what we're going to do with the camera. And typically, so they all, I I believe there was one or two people who didn't want to get nude or someone who was like really nervous about it. And there are more people here who don't get nude than, than, you know, you might Mm -hmm. think from the context, because it just feels like there's a lot of nudity. There actually isn't. It's really only a couple girls. Well, and I feel like, what was it? The, Andrea girl, the one whose IMDb we were just like going in on right. hard. Yeah, mm-hmm. she doesn't show her tits. No, she doesn't. Right. No, no. Well, we'll get we'll get into it because again, but what what I was going to say is like they they all said in the older commentary they'd never and with a genuine tone, not in a like everyone says, oh, every shoot was so wonderful. They're like every shoot I've ever done, there's always one actor who's trouble in some way, one actor who causes some trouble mm-hmm. and like gives us a bit of you know friction around. So like, this was the only shoot they also did ever done where like everyone just got along and it was fine and there was no problems. It was everyone was just easy nice. to work mm-hmm. with. And I do think you get that vibe yeah. from the film. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like an easy thing. Yeah, like me and Tom before. Okay, so not to sound like terrible people because again, I'm not saying we're doing it like for all the good reasons, also for the bad reasons in these films. You're like, all right, how many kills? How many boobs? And I said to him because he went for like four or something. And I said to him, you'd be surprised, like, in movies even that are known for nudity, there's actually far less than you think. Right. It's just, it, like, you have two, and they're in quite big scenes, and it impresses it in your yeah. head of, like, this film had a lot of nudity. But then I stopped, and I was like, hang on, but I know there's a shower scene in this movie, so I wouldn't put it past them to just, like, suddenly have five people <laughs> in that shower scene. 
But yeah, when you're actually playing out like the people who had to sign contracts, it's Trisha, who was meant to be our final girl, who gets like topless three times in this mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. And then we get glimpses of one of the other actresses here and then someone who's a background actor who's not even a part of our main cast. And all the rest... Yeah, well, then we get a very close-up yeah. of what's-her-face later, her boob. We'll get that later, but that's a stand. Yeah. That's not her boob. Well, but yeah. still. And it's, like, it's only that's one the clo- so the it's big, The closest up of a boob I think I've ever seen in a film. It was yeah. like, it was in your face. But yeah, the other thing that people, that I definitely think is the most interesting thing about this film, because they don't come back to it. Unlike Terror Train, where we come back to the male bonding for sure. Yeah, we get Valerie clearly sharing a very intense moment with Trisha yeah. across the showers. Like a very intense look of longing between the two of them. And then Trisha comes over to her to basically, yeah, just hang out while naked. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, to tell her on. that she did good at the basketball game. Yeah. But it's like said in such a perfunctory way where she's like, you're like really good at the basketball like she says, she says yeah. it in this way yeah. where it's like you don't know anything about basketball, even though you were just playing basketball. It's like yeah. so obviously forced. But it was also such a weird moment. I, as she was walking over, I couldn't tell if she was going to be bitchy or mm-hmm. complimentary. Like you don't know if they're going to mm-hmm. go that way, especially in sporty environments for guys. Even if they're obviously attracted to another man, instead of being complimentary they'll just be like you know shoot that person down as it's like the bully yeah. tendency to do so they definitely could have gone either way and i was kind of refreshed by the fact that she is nice to her because it doesn't but feel I, like it's gonna go that route yeah and i think that's a reoccurring thing here because yeah i mean that i mean that look is yeah like kind of crazy right. between the two yeah. of them like it's such a powerful look and then they never go back to it no yeah. Nothing else happens with that relationship from I this mean, point forward. Later on at the party, Trish does like the girls are sort of making fun of Val and consistently Trish is mildly defending yes. her. Like later on in these locker room conversations, they're all not speaking necessarily bitchily badly about her, but that they don't like her necessarily. She's new. Well, Diane and- is for sure. What'd you say? Diane is for yeah, sure. Yeah. And like one like Diane and this is what I do think is cool about like Diane's set up as the bitch and later on she's she's not that terrible. No. No. Like and I do think it's a reoccurring thing. Like uh, yeah, I'm not gonna like sit here and say like a male director would always direct like this because that's bullshit. And as a male director, I hope you can prove differently. And I would never say a female director is always gonna direct like this, but I do think it's more a typical trope, particularly with this era of slasher films. A male director would be, Oh yeah, this is a bitchy girl, let's make a really yeah. bitchy. This is a slutty girl, let's make a really slutty. And here I th- I start to recognize those tropes at the beginning, and then they kind of dissipate, and it's just a bunch of people. Yeah. yeah, as much as I don't love the dialogue that's happening in this whole scene, because it's centered around them being upset about this gym basketball game, <laughs> yeah. which is ridiculous to me. But then that is the reason, you know, Val being good at basketball and all this sort of stuff. But I do appreciate that there does seem to be like, a little bit of genuineness in terms of and how these women are speaking with one another and interacting with one another that can be genuine to how like women being just a little bit catty or just yeah. a little bit mm-hmm. not fully trusting another woman. You know, at one point, I think Trish tells Diane, you're just upset that she's pretty and good at basketball and all this sort of stuff like that sort of woman on woman jealousy little things that start to flare up especially in high school and there's something that feels real and intimate about that again as much as i don't 
love the dialogue in this. I think it's exactly what you're saying, that no one is like pushing the, I'm the bitch, I am this archetype here. It's just like, we're all a little bit catty, a little bit whatever. <laughs> like nobody feels fully caricature which then also I think makes it feel a little less fun too. Right. Yeah. Well, because like everyone um, kind of bleeds into the other. There's no yeah. really defined in the same way that we don't know who the final girl is because they're trying to I, you can you can see that they're trying to like dismiss stereotypes of women. But then it does kind of muddy the waters of you as a viewer and the story itself that yeah. you're trying to yes. tell. Because there is there's a satisfaction for yeah. knowing, OK, this is the bitchy character. Yeah. They're going to totally. get killed. This is the final character. I'm with yep. them. Yes. You know? Yep. And like, I think that was the issue too that I was having is that they're meant to be having a last hurrah and this is their core group. And that's one of them's thing is that they're like, we don't want to invite Val because we thought it was just going to be us tonight. But then you don't really get the vibe that these girls aren't always together. Like they feel like they're girls that would do this on a regular basis. This doesn't feel like a group of friends that used to be really good friends and that are now then going to come back together. Like the dynamic doesn't feel shifted from something original, if that makes yeah. sense. Like yes. it doesn't, we, there's no awkwardness between them that leads me to believe that they're not constantly in each other's lives. Mm-hmm. And you could do that. So yeah. well. you could make that really satisfying. You could build it all at the beginning. Yeah. At a lunch hall exactly. or something. And, and Trish is trying to bring all of this gang back together or something, you know. There's a different way to flex this right, completely yeah. that would be much more satisfying. Yeah. Or if just everyone was leaving for college the next day, you know, sure. st- something like mm-hmm. that. Like that would get you there too. But instead, there's a big basketball game. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and and you don't like beautiful lines like Dan saying, I don't like Fireley because she drinks too much milk. I no. know. I don't understand it. I didn't get that at all. Or like, Diane, you're a snob. Hey, only the best people are, you know? I liked that. <laughs> I was into that. Lines. I was like, okay, I see you, Diane. Well, the, the most unrealistic thing in this entire film is them having this fucking conversation while Valerie is clearly three yeah. feet away from them, just know. listening. It's heartbreaking. She's just like doing up her top and she's like, oh. Well, yeah. Trisha even is she, like, she heard us. And I do appreciate they're all like, oh, we're assholes. <laughs> yeah. She's like, well, yeah. It's fucking ridiculous. And there's a moment when she gets to the door and, and yeah, Trish goes over and like tries to invite her and then Valerie's like, no, and like is all awkward, which actually reminds me quite a lot of Bethany. Yeah. <laughs> She's got like that panic face yep. <laughs> our friend Bethany has. Yeah. Anyway, then we see the big group of boys and girls leaving the school. The Thorn's watching them from his van. We see half his face in the rearview mirror. So I'm going to say again now, I warned you guys of a few things. One I warned is like, don't expect a cool villain. Right. And know that you're going to see his face. Because this was a big problem for me. When I was first watching slasher movies, I knew what I wanted from a slasher film. And one of the main things I want is a comic book style villain. I want a villain with a mask and I want them to be cool and scary. This is, and I'm going to say it now, and I've seen a lot of slasher movies, one of my top five least favorite slasher villains of all time. Yeah, <laughs> This guy is so fucking stupid. Yeah. And a lot of it is, sadly, as I've delved more into this movie and how it was made on purpose. But a lot of it then came from the parody element of it mm-hmm. originally. And that's the problem. It's like, okay, so where are we sitting with this right. movie? You know? And seeing even half his face here, I remember the first time I was like, oh, shit. Now I know what he looks like. And he just looks like, again, just the grip or something yes. from the movie. See, but I disagree, though, because I don't know. This movie stuck with me in a way that some of the even like things that I find more disturbing haven't. That kept me, like woke me up at night. And I think 
especially whenever we're looking at like female director, female writer, all of this stuff. The actual real life scariest thing is just a man watching you, is just a man waiting to attack you, doesn't need a mask. To me, the fact that he looks so ordinary and is almost like, (laughs) whatever, is almost scarier because then he's like an everyman. He's an, and it could be a grip, could be whatever. Uh, So like the no mask and like, I don't love the fact that we know who it is and all that stuff from the beginning, especially since then they sort of like throw in more red herrings that are just like pointless with the neighbor and all that sort of stuff. And the boys sneaking up on them, whatever. But like, I don't know that just this man's dopey face (laughs) is scary to me. And in some ways scarier then, like, The Prowler, where he's this 1940s combat guy, right? But you're saying basically it's scary because it could happen. Yes. To be clear, if you lived in the world and you walk into a room at night by yourself and this guy's standing there, and then you walk into another room and The Prowler's standing there, you're probably going to be more scared of The Prowler. Yes, true. However, actual serial killers, actual murderers, they aren't. They sure. don't wear masks. They are, right. by and large, people you know or are ordinary and hide in plain sight. And he's wearing a Canadian tuxedo (laughs) and just like able to run into the scariest fashion decision. Right. And running into the school carrying a huge fucking drill and no one cares. (laughs) You know what I mean? That is scary in some ways. Like I understand that it's not a cool villain design and it's not aesthetically interesting or all of those things. But in terms of like, what makes me scared as a viewer, it is not ineffective, is at least in my opinion. I agree with that a lot in that I that is also what usually scares me. And like that's why I can't watch like The Strangers is one of my least favorite films because it scares me too much. And it's the whole randomness of that crime. And that's always what has freaked yeah. me out. Cause I'm like, especially like I didn't do anything to deserve this, like not me personally, but the character. And so I agree with Shannon in that element, but that to me, like that fear only maybe applies in this one scene because later on it gets ludicrous. Like when they're walking up the stairs and you just like see his face in the bushes as he's just there. And like, it just, it kind of starts to reach a comic level as we're going to proceed So maybe here is the only time that I sort of get that sentiment of, oh, this guy is actually a threat. Whereas later they just start to paint men sort of with this brushstroke of the opposite of what a a horror film usually is and that they paint them like women normally are. Nobody's competent. competent, Because it's Mm -hmm. it's almost like instead of leaving the red herring that the neighbor might be the killer, they want to actually give you the idea that the neighbor might be help. So they're almost more like, oh, rely on men. Oh, never mind. Men are fucking idiots and they're going to go down like women normally do. And the women are the ones that are going to be the heroes here. So, yeah, it's yeah. I don't disagree with that. It gets comic, especially whenever he lays down and takes a nap later. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's yeah. I'm not defending his behaviors, but just in general. No, I agree with you. Definitely. Well, yeah, I do want to point out with The Strangers, 
they do wear masks. So, no, no, no. So but like I, I didn't is. mean the fact of them wearing masks or not. It's like when I always remember that line at the very end when Liv Tyler's like, why are you doing this Ugh. to us? And they're like, it's because your light was on. And that Ugh. is always the fucking thing that gets me is that I'm like, it's the randomness of the crime mm-hmm. is the thing that's the scariest to me. And I think that's a little yep. bit of what Shannon's trying to say as well, where it's yeah. like, it could be. Yeah. I mean, he's Anyone. in a telephone van and I let repairmen into my house by myself yeah. all the time. And those are things that you get to this point where you're like, I don't want to think of everyone as a threat, but you also have to think of everyone as a threat. Yeah. The idea that you can't look at someone and know that they're going to kill you is scary. You know what I mean? The prowler. Oh, man, I know to fucking run. Yeah. (laughs) Obvious. This guy. I'd be like, oh, are you here to fix my cable? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Whereas for me, I'm just looking for the scariest right, yeah, right. design. So I appreciate we're approaching it from sure. very different yeah, places. Yeah. I will say what Tom said, because Tom obviously was more in my camp with that in terms of this kill is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But there's a bit we'll get to later on where he's like, if that had happened at the beginning of this film, he might have found a bit of tension with this killer. Mm. But introducing the killer how they did just did nothing for right. him. Because, yeah, they're going to leave. We get this kind of cool top-down shot of the electrician's body in a skip, and they just walk straight past it. Again, it's a very Halloween thing, but it is just played to the point where it's like, okay, it's a little silly. But it's also kind of chilling in a, in a way as mm-hmm. well. And they did these shots, by the way. They couldn't afford a crane. They literally got a cherry picker uh- and then <laughs> put someone up in it. Yeah, Linda forgets a book, so she runs back to the locker room, and we get our first stalk and slash scene. And this movie doesn't, you know, wind up slowly. It is stuff is happening from that very beginning. I was very confused, by the way, with the difference between Linda and Val. I thought this was Val going back in. Oh, yeah. I was so confused. Lots of these women, they all look too similar. Yeah. Yes. Which, again, not to be crude, but when we were doing our murder and boob count, it got confusing. (laughs) Because we're like, hang on, have we seen those boobs before? Because all these (laughs) girls look very similar. Yeah, the music is second grade, but I'm having fun with it here. We see the killer running around, which is truly, I can't tell you how much it crushed mm-hmm. my heart, Shanna. Like, the first time I watched this, it broke my heart. I was like, this, I actually stopped. The very first time I watched this, I turned it off. Because I was like, I went from that, oh, I like how this is shot, to as soon as I can see the killer, I was like, I'm out. This yeah. is never going to be in my top 25 slasher movies. And then I came back to it knowing that, and I can appreciate it in a different way. Now knowing it was written originally as a parody, it's not making me laugh. Yeah, yeah. But I can appreciate that in a different way. Yeah. I wish we hadn't seen his face so early on. I wish we had just seen, you know, maybe even just the Canadian tuxedo or something like that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, yeah, or even if he hand. was just... But it's kind of like the prom night guy. It's just, yeah, just a guy running around. Yeah. yeah. Even just, like, put him in a baseball cap or something. Like, don't have it so Like prom night, prom night 2.0? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I would say like I would say you can bridge the gap between both of yeah. us, Shannon, if you make something like Switchblade Romance, known as High Tension in America and in France, which you have not seen, nope. and you it would yeah, break you. Yeah, you. you're not allowed to watch that. I will not. But that film has a guy who's just a guy. Now, admittedly, he's what you, he's not. I, I I appreciate when we don't just cast people as oh you're ugly looking, so you must be ugly inside. Mm-hmm. But he is, like, he's a trucker kind of guy, overweight, slobbish, like, all this stuff. And they let you see him, which at first, I remember the first time I watched that movie, I was like, this is fucking incredible. And then they let you see him, and I was like, oh, I don't want to see him, please don't show him. But they keep, he does wear a cap, like Katie's saying, they keep his eyes then in shadow because of the cap, mm-hmm. and for the most part. And then they use flares and stuff around him from lights behind him, so you don't always get all of him. And it's fucking terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it bridges that gap of, like, yes, this really could just be a person. They're not wearing a mm-hmm. mask or doing anything that's, you know, fantasy-based or comic book-based. But at the same time, they've cast it right. His movements 
you know, his acting in it is right. Mm -hmm. And they're shooting it in a way that you you can't always get all the information, which makes it really yeah. Yeah. Whereas this guy, every time I see his eyes, I'm reminded of the guy in Twin Peaks that is like that crawls up the bed and scares the mom. Like that is what he reminds me of. Which was the gaffer, by the way. Yeah, exactly. He was literally down there behind the bed. And then David Lynch says, that looks great. Stay yeah. there. We're going to shoot it, and then incorporated him into the plot. But it's yeah. that look he of like, like, "Oh, give me crazy eyes all the time." Yeah. Like that's what he's, this guy looks like he's doing. He's purposefully bug-eyed throughout this yeah. entire film. <laughs> that and I kept seeing yes. him as Fred Armisen from Portlandia, yeah. especially with the Canadian tuxedo. I was like, "This guy looks like a caricature of a serial killer." Which, again, now that I know it was written as a parody, it makes it. So much more understandable and but yet it's muddying like it yeah again it's i don't know what story they're trying to tell me here yeah so mm-hmm. but yes well okay so just you know this guy michael Vivella, villella who played thorn he committed so whenever i've watched this movie i've always been just been like oh they just got whoever in like this is not a professional actor they just got someone in to do this nope he fucking oh, committed yeah. he read helter skelter oh, wow. to get into character he removed himself completely from the cast and crew so no one ever got to really be around him and stayed in character the entire time. He And this is, with all due respect to all actors who go to acting schools, this is one of the things that annoys me about so many acting schools and the things they make you, they put in your brain. He based his movements on a peacock. <laughs> the most terrifying of the animals. <laughs> exactly. That's what, because it's like, what? it's one of the most basic things they do, right? In acting classes, you know, you have to like yeah, incorporate animals into movement class. and all this stuff. I would, And it's just such a sort of like, oh, I went to a class once and now I'm going to like, you know, incorporate this animal. It's like, at least pick a fucking scary yeah, right. animal, man. Say, like or a, a predatory <laughs> animal of any kind. Yeah. Yeah. This doesn't surprise me at all because as I'm watching this, especially his like bug eyedness, I am like, you are somebody that thought you were going to method the shit out of this role. You, this is your fucking opus, but you are so fucking shitty <laughs> that it's a caricature. It's a parody as opposed to, and that's the thing. Actors that make those choices, that's fine, right? But like make a choice that is going to actually be useful to you. You know, you could make a choice if he had chosen a gorilla or something like yeah. that. That could have been cool and imposing. I I know lots of people that do animal work and use it very successfully, right? Or method work and use it very successfully. I also know people who are stupid and do stupid things <laughs> and make stupid choices in the name of I'm being a committed actor. <laughs> well, it almost makes it worse that he put effort into it then because it's like, it's forgivable. Oh, no, I respect no, him now. I, I think it's more forgivable if I retain my initial thought that he is just a nobody and that he's like just some guy that they got because he looked the part or... Oh, yeah, no. You know, it feels effortful to me. Sometimes I can see in- this guy. You know, when they get the different actors or whatever to play Michael and Jason and stuff. And it's like it lends a different flavor. But here I was like, who is this guy? It almost makes it worse that I can tell that he's trying. Yeah, I've been in acting classes with this guy. Let me tell you, no one wants to work with him. No. I mean, I don't know. I've forgotten what his career was after this. But yes, I learned that just before watching it a lot this last time for this podcast. And it was very interesting watching him as a peacock. (laughs) <laughs> because it's i mean to be fair to him it worked like i was like yeah i would cast you uh someone who's doing a cgi movie and you're playing 
the movements of the peacock. Yep. Yep. You, you really nailed it. But as the killer in this movie, no, no. thank you. <laughs> Doesn't work for me. No at one all. is scared of peacocks. I don't really know anybody who's like, oh, my weird fear is peacocks. No. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on. We've got a lot to say about this yeah, movie, we apparently, do. which I didn't, I didn't think we would. So yeah, he chases her around. Like I do like some of these shots again. Again, it's a low bar when I'm comparing this to the trashy slasher movies that you know that I watched from the 80s. But some of these just things that you would expect from the films a normal person would see if they went to see a horror movie, they would expect tracking shots. They would expect crane shots. You can't expect that at this level. It's $250,000 yeah. from 1982. Do you know which school that um, they did film this in? Uh, I did. I did know. It's near. It's quite near us. I'm I wondering forgot. if it, because it, like, uh, it wouldn't be Venice High School, like the one they did Grease on. don't think so. I'm wondering which one it is. We'll check it out. But yeah, but, but she said, Amy said this was one of the best places to shoot because on the basketball court, obviously you've got very smooth floors and in the locker room, they have very smooth floors. So it means you can do tracking shots without having to have tracking equipment and having to pay for all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, so great. you do have this, just when he's stalking her through the locker room, yeah, you get this nice smooth mm-hmm. shot behind him, which again is what you should expect. But when you have no money, I'm appreciating yeah. it here. It means this director's thinking, what, how can she use her environment? Mm-hmm. And that's smarter than most 80s slasher movies are. Yeah. Yeah, so like he stalks around. She's got drilled in the arm straight away. So she's bleeding, and I do like this. She like hides, yeah, and then she notices that she's bleeding out, and that the blood's going to give her away because it's going to go under the crack in the door. So she gets this towel to try and like soak yeah. it up, which is something I don't think I've ever seen that kind of thinking before from right. someone. I feel other like- than Switchblade Romance, actually, which is all that. Which is why Switchblade Romance is amazing. Yeah, by and large, that I feel like the women's responses to terror are by and large relatively appropriate you know we'll get to it later of like it's a lot of things that like whenever i think of oh crap if there were an intruder or something i would barricade the door in my bedroom you know what things that i have thought about before um so by and large they respond relatively practically and i do appreciate that both it's like 50 50 because as we're gonna see here yes she blocks the blood but then when he starts banging on the door when he sees the blood under the door she just starts screaming and you're like why don't you run Mm -hmm. like be quiet because now he still knows that you're sitting there and instead of doing that she just gives herself up and i think there's two answers for this like number because this is yeah this is baffling yeah. to me it's like he's behind the door it's seeming like the scene is fairly decent even though i hate seeing him in it mm-hmm. and then he starts drilling through the door which is gonna take a yeah. while you got time and she just starts screaming and then we cut away from it and this tells me two things one yeah they don't have much money so they clearly just run out of the time they could shoot in mm-hmm. this school for and two amy doesn't really she's not interested in the horror right so yeah like she's not like she's not interested in the kills and she's not interested in really seeing these final punches but we need them and we don't have that here. And it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. Because I'd much rather this see this doesn't put than up to see him yet. comically running back to his van. Why do we even have Insane. that scene? That was ridiculous. Why do you leave that shot in? I don't understand. Why is the camera even rolling? Because you get these nice shots. Like they do a stupid cut from her screaming, but then they show some shots of like the empty yeah. school. And you're like, okay, that's a little bit moody. Then go into the next yeah. scene. Yeah. No, now let's just show him running away with his drill it's, in full, with blood all over yeah, it. Yeah, it's comedic. I don't understand why we're even seeing this. There's this thing in storytelling where you feel this pressure in your first story to physically get your character to your next scene. And your teachers are immediately like, no, cut, hard cut. Everybody knows that they somehow got in a car or on a train or something right. and got there. Like, we don't need to actually physically see them turn the key 
get in traffic. Like, every, it's ridiculous. It, that's what we're seeing here. But I, I was like, this does not belong. I think part of the problem, though, is that this is a woman who, this isn't her genre. Yeah. Right. And she's just been working under Martin Scorsese. Yeah. And I do think what she's going to be looking at and learning from those things is like, okay, it's about character. Martin Scorsese is all about character. Like, we do show those moments. We show a lot of moments to show character and that kind of thing. This is just the wrong film mm-hmm. to be doing that yeah. in. And this is not the killer. To, this isn't a uh, you know, taxi driver. This character is not fucking Travis I mean, Pickle. he like, thinks he's traffic taxi driver. If he came out of that school with authority instead of running the way that he does. Right. Like, if he came out and just was like slow-mo almost just owning that scene, that would be entirely different. And that would show me his character here. He looks frenzied and out of control. Of what's happening again? Like I do He's think peacocking. you could make that. He they run quickly. But uh, <laughs> but I do think in in a taxi driver or something you could have you know a Robert De Niro running out somewhere, and in another film it would look stupid. But Scorsese can mm-hmm. make that actually more chilling because you see, oh, this is just a regular person. Right, right. That can be more chilling. This isn't. Yeah. The actor's not good enough. The setup isn't good enough. The budget's not yeah. good enough. Like none of this is able to do that. And I think you can see moments of her bleeding through of what, what she wants to be making. Yep. While still trying to tick off the Roger Corman stuff, yeah. you know. Anyway, we've done the film. Let's let's get <laughs> chugging through. This is fucking baffling to me. One girl gets dropped off by some guy in a motorcycle with a big mustache. It's our lead. It's our lead. All of a sudden, she's never got fucking this see m- this guy again. Handsome, mustachioed boyfriend on a motorcycle. Yeah. So weird. I, and yeah. then later, she's going to be flirting with that guy Jeff. Like they're together. Again, I don't know if this is someone telling me women can have multiple guys. That's okay. Like, I'm fine with that. But I don't know who the fuck that guy is. Yeah. I don't know what's happening. So weird. It's it so It just gets confusing. Weird. It's like someone won a competition. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to be in this <laughs> like movie. Like, you get to be in one shot. Well, and I think what you were saying of, like, this just isn't her genre, right? Because, right. like, you're watching a horror movie. You're looking at all of these things of, like, okay, what's going to come back later? What, what are we setting up? And then this is random. It has nothing to do with anything. There's not a face. Yeah. Sc- there's nothing. There's no And you reason. don't need this well, shot. Well, unless it's to, again, bleed into the idea of what, because we then go down the street and see that Val is right next door, that she's the neighbor. And if there is a m- moment... Like, if there is an attraction between these two, Val is constantly privy to the fact that Trish is, you know, with guys. But then we need to see a real reaction from that. We need a moment with Valerie about it. I know. I am agreeing with you. But because this is me having to, like, interject meaning into this scene that doesn't seemingly fit. It's like, why is this here? Well, maybe it's this, which I shouldn't have to be doing. Fucking weird. Yeah. Fucking weird. But Diane's walking back alone. We get a POV as someone drives up to her to clearly trying to make us think it's the killer, pulls over, gives her a spook. And as, yeah, most of the guys who spook girls in this film gets thrown onto his fucking butt yep. <laughs> straight yeah. away. Now, this guy is called John. And to me, he just looks like he's from an Archie comic. Yeah. This guy's ridiculous. Yeah. He reminds me <laughs> of Biff from Back to the Future, yeah, just in how he yeah. looks. Yeah. His face, particularly later when he's in the car oh, yeah. later, he just looks so weird. He does. So fucking weird. He wants to come to the slumber party, but she's not sure if she's going to be able to get him in or not. Um, Plus, he seems like a really big out. dude, and I don't know that he she, she could get him over. Her. Does she pull him over her shoulder or something? I can't remember. Yeah. yeah she flips him over like her shoulder. Six, five, easy. Like, he's a football player. She is not unrooting she's this guy. She's clearly a black belt. 
yeah. uh, in this one yeah. scene and right. then <laughs> is incapable later. <laughs> yeah. I do like as she walks away, the camera quickly pans down just to make sure her butt's in shot. Yeah. Still. <laughs> There's yep. like a moment of panic from the cameraman when they're like, no, 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 go down. Yep. Yeah, then we get the teacher, who again, sometimes I thought was Trish in my first couple of viewings of this film. Yeah. She drives home and we get this ridiculous scene <laughs> when she goes up to her front door and a drill the comes best. through it and she opens it. She's like, what's happening? And then her friend there is there or whatever. He's like, oh, yeah, I was just putting in a peephole and then walks away yeah. <laughs> without finishing the peephole. Well, she did. She just she like put drilled a hole the in holes, there. like done, fucking done. <laughs> I did the hole. Yep. Bye. But again, another character in a different film would be a man doing this. Yeah. But nope, played by a woman. Yeah. Again, they're all stupidly attractive yep. women. But yeah, women. this is Valley of the Dolls. All of a sudden, like everyone in this oh, neighborhood, yeah. stupid hot. Yeah. Yeah, which, yeah. They're, well, they might be this hot, but they're not this nice. Yeah. No, absolutely not. We get this cool little shot as Trish is on the phone, which again is just a little detail that I don't think many male directors would put in there of her like winding up these little shoes that go for a walk I across know, her yeah. desk. She tells you nothing, but it's just a nice little thing. There's a lot um, of sh- shots and scenes in this film that I'm like, why is this here? <laughs> I like it. Because it character. Yeah. Sometimes. And sometimes I'm like, I don't understand. But yeah, she she thinks she hears a sound and then she goes and plays on the piano. I really like this little <laughs> tune she plays. Mm-hmm. As is the appropriate reaction to wait, I heard a noise. Let me get off the phone. Oh, the front door is standing wide open. Right. Let me close it and lock it. And instead of searching the rest of the house, I'm gonna sit down and play a little ditty. Her parents gave her one rule. Yeah. Lock the door, close the windows. Both of those have been violated already. I'm very upset. <laughs> but again, like this scene like to me is like parody. This is yeah. hilarious, but it's not meant to be funny. And I'm confused. But it was originally, so it's hard to tell. I know. That's why I'm it's confused. hard to digest this movie. It's a lot of things being pulled in different ways. Amy explains in the commentary as well, by the way, because like there's some nice elegant shots here as well. And she says, you have to remember at this point in cinema, if you did a shaky shot, it's a bad shot. Right. Like everyone, you know, it's like if you do film now, people want grain in it. You didn't used to want any grain mm-hmm. being shown in your film. And yeah, you didn't used to want shaky. Now everyone wants shaky handheld right. stuff. Which, and I think in this movie, you know, there's an accidental shaky sometimes, which actually work in its benefit because shakiness is a good tool. But yeah, there's some elegance as well, which I quite like. Turns out a creepy neighbor was in the house the whole time upstairs. It's so weird. He's a little creepster. I like um, his whole thing is, oh, I saw the door was open, so I just wanted to come in and check it out. You don't say like, hey, Trish, hey, just checking things yeah. out. Nope, no, nope, I'm just going to wait upstairs for you with no pants on. <laughs> and I think, and then it's even weirder because then she looks like she would be pissed. Yeah. And so he's like, don't worry, I'll wait with you till your friends get here. And she's like, oh, thank you. So weird. Like, no. Look at this silver fox. He's a scary yeah. man. He's going to kill snails later with a fucking Yeah, he is. <laughs> He's going snail hunting, I, which I also don't understand. Meanwhile, the coach is grating some cheese. It's the saddest. Okay, she's <laughs> obviously really- gorgeous. She's in this like beautiful robe, super sexy, and she is making the saddest little dinner for herself she's like yeah. grating cheese onto a <laughs> tortilla quesadilla. to make a little quesadilla drinking her little glass of wine not out of a wine glass like no sophistication here at all and it's <laughs> right just, no this is not her she is not this person who's doing this right now this is ridiculous yeah, but she plays scene. sports 
So like, yeah, but then you wouldn't be in that like gorgeous nighty. Like, go full right. like lesbian with her then, if that's what you're trying to do, because <laughs> she is not that. She's giving me very mixed signals, and I just yeah. want to like throw her sad quesadilla in the trash. Stop <laughs> it! And then when she knocks over her wine, it makes me even more sad. I'm like, stop being. <laughs> this is pathetic. She's so nice and obviously gorgeous. This is not fair. Yep. Yes, I agree. I do, but I like I like one of the things I like in this movie, and I can't obviously they had no money, so I don't know how much control they had over it. But there's a natural nice palette here, which might be by coincidence. It might just be her, what her friends and people wore. I don't know. But it is like pastel blues and pastel pinks, mm-hmm. and then like the red with the yes. wine is like on a surface where it just looks like it was by design. And so there's just these little sort of slight flares of almost giallo kind of artistry in it. Well, and it actually looks um, like red again, wine. We'll There's so many times yeah. in movies and on TV shows that I'm like, they can't make red wine look like red wine. It just looks like juice. And this yeah. one, I'm like, I think that yeah. might actually be wine. Yeah, for sure. People are yeah. drinking wine for sure during this film. <laughs> yeah, and she hears a noise too, and she's just broken a glass. So she wants to walk around the house carrying a shard of glass brandish. I know. Which is good. At least she uses it. Hey. Uh, I mean, everyone else would just like leave the broken glass and they go, well, at least she picks up some fucking glass to help yeah. herself well, yeah, but she's in a kitchen. A classic- There'd be knives and things like that. And no, let me take the shard of glass that will cut my own hand. <laughs> <laughs> we get a classic kitty scare, which how the fuck these cats get into cupboards that is locked, I don't know. <laughs> like, how long has it been in there? It's a closed door. Yeah. Just to open it for it to jump out. I always out. just love the overlay of cat yowling on top of cats as well. Because I'm like, I want it to just play without the cat yowling. Because it would just be so much less scary. When yeah. It's just a cat. Yep. And cat's just going to be like, sup. I'm going to jump down now. Yeah. Just open it. It's like, can you shut yeah. that, please? I closed that for a reason. Now it's night. I don't know. We just cut to night. Right. And we're going to cut back to my gender, which are the two idiot boys from earlier. Yeah, whose very first line immediately as soon as we cut to them is, let's go scare the girls. I know. <laughs> they like to scream. <laughs> I know. Girls love yep. to scream. They love the to fuck? scream. But then one of them's like, well, what's the worst thing can happen? And the other one's like, they can beat the shit out right, of Right, I know. I like <laughs> yeah. that. I like that on one hand, we're like, girls love to scream. You know, just relax and enjoy it. All of these things. And then also like, these girls will kick our ass. <laughs> yeah. But this is the thing, I think, I mean, I can't speak for the other stuff that you're noticing and we can still pick through maybe what, if that's meaning something, but stuff like him saying girls mean to scream, that's absolutely 100% not the creators of this telling the audience this is how you should think about girls. They're putting these words into the mouths of clear, oh, yeah. ridiculous, stupid right. people. So they're telling you this isn't how you're meant right. to think about girls. 100%. Well, and then I'm very weirded out by the second of these guys because he is giving me very gay vibes for the first guy. Yeah. And yes. so I'm like, I don't feel that you guys are attracted to these women. Like, I feel like you're there to like ogle, but that you you actually just want to hang out with each other. Right. Yeah. But do you remember Shannon's list earlier? Porky's number yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. You got to go do some people. Yep. 1982. Yeah, but I'm all about it. It just seems a bit ridiculous in the location <laughs> that it happens in. But whatever. Well, they walk past Thorne's car, and we're seeing here 100% Valerie lives right across from where the girls are having their slumber party. Thorne's just hiding in the fucking bushes, right? <laughs> which I'm with with Katie is ridiculous. Like his little face is just like. Now we know, like a crazy peacock yeah. just hiding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that it's a peacock, and like, I, part of me is like, should I rewatch this with peacock thoughts? <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, it's definitely, honestly, I had a lot of fun rewatching Atlanta. Kim and Jackie turn up at it's Trisha's house. It's just the least secret of they... all animals. It's like the very opposite. <laughs> it's right? meant, it's yep. meant to flaunt itself and be seen. I don't get it. Yep. Why? Nope. How did he choose a peacock? God bless him. <laughs> One of the oh. girls has got some Maui Wowie. Yeah. Um, and they're worried, worried their neighbor's going to not be cool about it because he's still there. But he just comes over, smells it, and says, hey, ladies, go easy. I'm next door if you need <laughs> I mean, me. I mean, he's so obviously smoked pot, this so, guy. Yeah. yeah. Not for sure. I was waiting for her to be uh, like, well, I bought it from you, <laughs> so. Right. <laughs> so we're going to spend the rest of the movie basically bouncing back and forth between these two houses. Mm-hmm. Which is so essentially. weird. For better or um, worse. Which is weird. But this time when I was like knowing that they had been told make Halloween, I was like, yeah, you think Valerie is Jamie Lee Curtis. Yep. Only instead of giving her babysitting, you're giving her a little sister. Yep. And you're putting her in the other house from where the crimes are happening, just like Halloween. Right. And you're putting them right near each other. Like, yeah, you're literally just ripping off Halloween. But it, the strings aren't quite working no. here between the relationship. Not at all. Going on. Like, because, yeah, they're giving what's her face, the slutty one or bitchy one. They're meant to try to make her Annie. And she's the one who's meant to be like, gets the boyfriend to come over and, you know, is wants to make out in the car and do these things. And it's. But you, they're not defined characteristics the way that they are in Halloween. Like in Halloween, you've got the slutty one who has pigtails, like totally. Mm-hmm. And you've got the smart bookish girl, which is meant to be Val, who is Jamie Lee Curtis. And then you've got Annie, who's meant to be kind of the happy medium in between. But she tells mm-hmm. it like it is. Like she's the sharp, like cuts through the bullshit. But those aren't defined here. Well, and I respect them not doing that here. But then we have to build on it. Like up until this point, I actually think they've done a fairly decent setup. You know, obviously, it's not Halloween level in any way, but they've done a fairly decent setup with these characters. But then we need to keep right. building. But we've dropped it again for now. And other than a cursory sentence here or there, Trish and Valerie not going to interact with each other at all for the rest yep. of this movie. And the other characters, like, we're not going to really build in. And I'm not going to say I'm not going to have fun still with the stuff that happens. I'm just saying, like, okay, this is the point where you could have built from here yeah. and made satisfying journeys with these characters. Yeah doesn't matter anymore. I also think the only thing that's going to happen is I'm going to get slightly more confused because Trish is yeah gradually going to show all these different sides to a personality which I like mm-hmm. but then I want that to mean something mm-hmm. in relationship to everything else we've seen right. before and instead it just feels like I don't know if it's good writing or if it's just erratic writing yeah, yeah. well you know? and Val's younger sister is oh my god a nightmare <laughs> it's just a nightmare. Like she's a lot of people's favorite character in this movie. Oh, she's a night. I'm like, what age are you supposed to be? Why are you two alone? Are your parents out of town as well? And then we get like weird divorce stuff. Like, yeah, there are no parents in this entire no. street other yeah. than the creepy. All neighbor. the parents are gone. Everyone knew there was a mass murder in town, so the parents got out of dodge. I was like, you figured out yourself, kids. It's like the purge for their teenagers. Yeah, but I find the younger sister. A nightmare. <laughs> Whereas in Halloween, the kids are cute. The kids are sweet. So a little sister's introduced. Valerie's making some Kool-Aid, which Tom then turned to me because as UK people, we've heard of Kool-Aid a lot. But he's like, is that what Kool-Aid oh, is? Like, as soon yeah. as she's making this, I turned to Shannon and I was like, I, I want some Kool-Aid. Like, yeah. I miss Kool-Aid. <laughs> I used to drink so much Kool-Aid Tom's, when I was growing up. Tom's stomach hurting was hurting just looking at oh, it. Oh, it's like, That's so good. That's a lot of sugar, man. Yeah, like, yep. <laughs> it's mostly sugar and then the powder. It's like equal parts. And what's in the powder? It's just like a sugar. flavoring. Sugar. It's just whatever flavoring it, it is. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Valerie's making that with her little sister who's really into the boys. Boys ringing up for here. Like, more boys keep bringing up throughout the night. We're establishing her as a horny little teenager yeah. straight away. 
I want to know what happened in fifth grade. <laughs> well, okay. Well, I'm intrigued as we go through them. But the slumber party is currently Trish, Kim, and Jackie. And then Diane sends up spooking them at the window. And again, this is where we start to see, like, Dan's pretty decent to them. Like, I think she's going to be really bitchy, but no, she'll ask permission for stuff. Mm-hmm. She'll be fairly just like a normal person. She's not the nicest person in the world, but she's not terrible. And then Valerie's heard some dogs in the trash. So she goes out because her little sister doesn't want to. At least that's what she says. The little sister runs upstairs <laughs> to find her big sister's pawn. Yep. Yeah. Because you can't do that when your sister's, you know, out. Right. Do it when she goes to just look, get the trash. Like, now's the time for me to go and ogle Sylvester Stallone <laughs> in a copy of Playgirl yep. magazine. Well, it makes more sense, too, no knowing that he did, film like, would do this. Rambo and First Blood and stuff at this time as well. Right. Yes. But no, can you imagine any other slasher film doing yeah, this? No, not like, at all. It's, it's really funny. Pretty great. Well, especially her line of she's like, I'm not going out there in the dark by myself. Are you crazy? And right? I was like, I yes. love that. Again, these are things that it's yeah. like, why would people actually do this? They wouldn't. And then her sister's like, fine, I'll go. And it's like, what? Go with her. <laughs> and then I actually, I but I really love yeah. the dynamic between the two. My favorite characters in this are the relationship between these two because they're both like, they have a good love hate mm-hmm. kind of thing going on. Like, they're really nice to each other, but then she just turns to her as she's leaving and says, too bad mom and dad didn't get a divorce before yeah. you were born. And it's just it's like, those things you definitely say to your siblings all the time where you're just like, <laughs> I wish you'd never been born. Like, there's things that are completely awful, but wow. like, yeah, my but you're my little sister. My sister and I were way nicer to each other. At- <laughs> we def- especially when we were left to babysit. Oh, man. My oldest sisters and brothers, like, pfft, they were awful to us. So, I got this. Hmm. So, the two boys turn up to go pervin because again porkies yep. and of course arrive at a window just as it's time for the girls to communally undress yeah in yeah. the living room with all right? the windows open <laughs> yeah. she's like taken all of her stuff out of her bedroom and then they never go to her bedroom only to hide later and never once in my life never once did you change into your pajamas as a group in front of people just like <laughs> naked no. and never once did anyone like you would have been made fun of if you brought like short shorts and things that would have been weird for a slumber party stuff because it just wasn't you just don't do that and they're wearing full-on negligees and like yeah. no pants yep it's a roger coleman film this is normally all a roger coleman film would be Ugh. i do feel however if we ask our dear podcast host christina if she's ever been in situations like this, she would say, no, yeah, this is how my friends would normally do this. Yeah, but I think party. the hers are not typical friends to us. Yes, but we're all, this is the problem again with this movie is they're painting them a bit, a bit like normal people, but also they're all stunningly attractive. So it's like, am I meant to be treating you like a bunch of models hanging out? In which case I could kind of believe some of this, <laughs> this shit that's happening. But if I'm meant to treat you like real people, then no. Not saying that models aren't real people. But they're not. But they're also dressing them sluttily, but then two of the three of them are in sports jerseys. Yeah. So one is wearing the Dodgers yeah. jersey, the other one's wearing another basketball jersey, and then the other one's just in full on lingerie. Like, right. It's that so is weird. ridiculous. Yeah. So if you're keeping count, we get Jackie in her underwear. We get lots of panty butts. So it does give the impression that this film has lots of nudity, but it's just because you see a lot of yeah underwear, yeah. basically. You get Trish topless for the third time. Kim gets topless mm-hmm. here, which you're not expecting. And yeah, that takes a boob count to three. <laughs> Jackie comes back in in some nighty that shows more of her boobs than the girls who actually got their yep. boobs out, <laughs> which, which is kind Insane. of shocking. <laughs> but if you look at our IMDb photos now, less shocking. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, meanwhile, back over at Valerie's little sister Courtney is upstairs doing her biology homework. And Valerie seems to know she's looking at porn as if this happens all the time. Right. I, get, I, I don't know sister-sister relationships. I do know brother-brother relationships, even though I wasn't in one. I've been around many of my friends who were. And I could believe this from a boy-boy perspective. You'd go and look at your big brother's porn. Would this happen in sister-sister no. relationships? No. At least not. And my, my sister and I are two years apart. And I feel like that's a similar age difference, what they're going for. Maybe more like four years between Val and her sister. Like, Val feels like she's 17, 18. This girl is, I think, supposed to be like 13, maybe, like just Mm -hmm. burgeoning right into puberty. But never, ever would we like talk about that stuff. I don't know. It would be weird. And nor would I I want to. I think that, again, they're just trying to paint it as like girls can be the same as boys. Right. So I understand why they're doing it. No, I've never done anything like this. So. DM me, Mr. Al White, on Twitter or Instagram yeah. if you can tell a personal story that affirms this is how you would have lived your life yeah. as a teenager. In well, I want to hear it from a girl. I want to hear yeah. it from a girl. No, that's what I'm saying. From a teen, yeah, from a. I didn't even know that Playgirl existed until yeah. I was like Hell beyond, yeah. co- like into college. So yeah, yeah, agreed. Oh, really? Maybe I mean, but also I grew up in it like a, a big conservative deal in the 80s, to Midwest be fair. town, so it was a big deal in the 80s. Because it's like, where are you going to get your porn from? Like, in the 80s, I can believe it. Um, I don't know if Valerie is the kind of girl, because she is the meek final yeah. girl. Um, so, I don't know if she would be the one to have play girl underneath her Plus, again, bed, she's but, uh, do, like, displaying a lot of lesbian tendencies in this yeah. so far. And you're like, mm-hmm. so would she have guy porn? Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe this is also the scene where there's that, goes both ways. there's that slow sign behind her where it's written in, take it slow and enjoy it. Right. So that's so, so weird. Strange. I need to go back and check this stuff out because I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Trish orders a pizza. Diane goes to get some wood for the fire. We see someone waiting for her with a small cleaver. She recoils from a snail right? for some reason. Yep. Oh, fucking weird. Like you're getting wood from outside. Like that's the least of your yeah. worries. And then it's creepy neighbor who kills the snail. Apparently his 53rd tonight. What is the snail problem <laughs> in Venice, California? Does actually upset me a little bit because they 100% killed this snail with this cleaver. But you wouldn't, I mean, you wouldn't be allowed to do that now. No. You wouldn't be allowed to kill them. And he says the only good way, as Katie said earlier, it's the only good way to get him apparently is with a fucking cleaver. <laughs> we should do more with his character, but instead he just gets a drill through the neck out of yeah. nowhere. When. And, like, the guys who are peeping on the girls could totally hear it and just assume that yeah. it's something like dogs or whatever. And it's like, right. mm, probably a vibrator. Literally heard a drill being fired up, a man screaming, and then right? a tussle <laughs> ensued, apparently. And- but they're looking at negligee. They can't think properly. <sighs> their brain turned to mush. Right. Although their brains seem like mush yeah. the entire yeah. time. Yeah, Trisha's suddenly getting cold. It's like, yes, yeah, because you took all your clothes off. So she goes over and shuts the window and just sees Thorn just peering from outside. Yeah. So ridiculous. <laughs> Which is another moment where I'm just like, yeah, you don't understand what made Michael Myers scary when he's yeah. standing outside. Right. But, okay. And plus the girl br- brings wood in and then they never make a fucking fire. It's like, yes, that's why you're cold. You're, that's, it doesn't build itself. If it's remotely clo- cold, why take your clothes off? Other than Agreed. Roger Corman's there. 
She opens again, though, and then there's a bloody doll that she threw away. I don't know why. The Barbie. Whatever. The Barbie that was stolen uh, in the very first scene out of the trash can. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And then they realize, hang on, you might not have shut the garage door, so Trish and Diane go to check. Meanwhile, Valerie is watching from across the road. And she gets a pawn back and then calls her sister a pervert as she finds a used banana. I like how you say used banana I instead know. of eaten banana. <laughs> it's so weird. Well, I said used banana. I know. Because feels- then you can interpret however you want to because it's definitely up for interpretation. Yeah, but then I'm strange. like, wait, are you implying that she masturbated with a banana out of well, the casing? Either that or then just seem like ate the banana work. after she masturbated with it. And like all of it is weird. <laughs> yep. All of it is weird. And I think it's implying the former because of the look that she gives. But anyway. And that's why I'm so confused by this girl. Like, she's like licking on a lollipop at different yep. points. And then we're like, you're masturbating with a banana. Like, are you eight? <laughs> are you 12? Like, what the Which, fuck? Which, by the way, we have we did no proof the banana is still there. So. Right. Don't know where uh, it went. Oh. No. <laughs> But yeah, we get a shot inside the Playgirl of a guy's butt. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then, then this is why it's confusing, but also probably true of that age. We're like, oh, I'm really into boys, but also yuck. Yeah. Guy's butt leaning into a fridge as she uh, sucks on her lollipop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then she starts sulking in the worst. I'll be honest. I enjoy this dynamic, but the worst acting oh, in the yeah. entire film is this moment when she starts sulking for a reason I can't even begin to understand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> her sister told her parents something once about a boy she kissed or something. I didn't understand, I don't understand this at all. Something so happened weird. in fifth grade. Yeah. They basically need a reason for her to want to pull a prank on her sister. Yeah. So he's shoehorning in. Back at the slumber party, Diane rings up her boo-boo and asks for him to come over while Trish and the gang listen in. And then all the lights in the house go out and one of them, I don't know who, goes, far out. <laughs> it's the totally girl. I just like these little moments. Like, I like the far out. I like that as soon as the lights go out, one of them just goes, strangers. I know. <laughs> There's stuff that you can't script that kind of thing, you know. It's just like nice little moments. It's just, it's weird to me that the lights go out and they have to go to the garage to like the fuse box and they're all like, ooh, we got to go do it. Ooh. But earlier they were all yes. like freaked the fuck out by like <laughs> guy in the window and all of this stuff. So I, I can't, it's like, what is happening? <laughs> are we building tension or are we not? <laughs> Well, and you get just, again, the dialogue is not yeah. good. Like, I like the natural dialogue when they're clearly improving. I think it's yeah. better. Like, but the actual dialogue is like, one's like, what happened? I know what happened. We must have blown a fuse. Yeah, I know. You're like, You're doing like, what? Yeah. You didn't do anything do additional. Think? Right? Yeah, but you didn't do anything additional. But also, like, I mean, it's either you blew a fuse or someone cut yeah. your power line. Like, you shouldn't say triumphantly, like, I figured it right. out. <laughs> If if my lights go off in my house, is like there's very few options of what it might be. I wanted them to be using a blender or something, and then it to go out for her to validate. Oh, we blew a fuse. It's like oh, that makes more sense. Whereas you were like, oh no, she used the phone. That must have blown a fuse. <laughs> what? What doing? Yeah. What? Or just existing blew yeah. the fuse. But I guess we right. find out later that like it's a joke. So right. But then they all it is a like joke. they go to the garage. I don't know. Again, it's like this mix of dichotomy of stereotypes where they're like oh now we're all gonna go together which yes is a smart thing we're gonna get flashlights smart thing no one's gonna put on shoes dumb thing everyone's gonna stay in their negligee dumb thing it's so strange gotta get the job done straight away no time to wait 
They go to the garage. The boys spook them. So yeah, much like when the boys boys spook them earlier, and you got thrown over her shoulder. This time they smack Jeff in the face with a metal flashlight. Yep. <laughs> Fuck off, Deserved Jeff. It. <laughs> Fucking crazy. So I wrote down here: every boy who scares a girl gets yep. attacked. So don't scare girls. That's what I've learned. Yeah. From this mm-hmm. movie. Don't sneak up on girls. Yeah. <laughs> Despite putting a brick in the bins last time that Valerie went outside, they're tipped over again. She's getting a little. A little spooked out and then Courtney jumps out on her who's brandishing a fucking knife. She jumps on her back with a oh, knife. <laughs> and she goes, oh, it's basically dull. Even you worse. You deserved it. <laughs> you know what's worse than being stabbed with a sharp knife? Being stabbed with a dull knife. You fucking it's psychopath. Fucking crazy. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. I don't get it. I kind of like it. I like how weird this I'm film. so confused. Uh, <laughs> this girl just keeps being weird. No, she's completely weird. But she's selling me on, yeah, you're like 14 years old and you're crazy. fucking insane <laughs> like, is what you yeah, are. Yeah, she is yeah. insane. But I like the scene we're going to get to in a bit, but anyway, we'll get there in a second. Yeah, old Archie Jock, he's waiting for Diane to lay him to the garage. Again, he's just the weirdest looking person I think I've ever seen in my yeah. life. It looks like an action figure that's been standing out in the sun yeah. for too long or something. And then, yeah, I like this scene. Valerie's doing Courtney's hair. And she's like, do you think I'll ever be beautiful? And they're like teasing each other a little bit. And then Courtney's asking, do you think they have boys at the slumber party? Because if so, she wants to go over. And then she's like, how do you want me to do your hair? And she just turns her and says, just make me look like you. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a nice little moment. That is. And that's okay. actually realistic from like yeah. sisters. I feel like but that's like the first thing between these two that I'm like, okay, I believe this. Yeah. Especially if you had a sister who looked like that. I'd be like, yeah. Right. Is that possible? Do what you do. <laughs> Make me look like that. <laughs> Diane's getting kissy kissy in the car with Archie boy. And she gets a boob squish. Jesus, this boob uh, close up. Yeah, a <laughs> nipple I, caress close up. It is. Makes me couldn't uncomfortable. Couldn't find who it actually is, who they got in. They just said it was a stand-in boob because, yeah, she didn't want to get boobs out. They only show one boob, to be it's clear. So and it's just like, yeah, someone just got to do some good old squishing <laughs> of, a, of a pretty fantastic yeah. boob. It's so to be weird. It's so close. It's like it is so close. It's, it's almost so close. like when you take something out of context and you're like, now you've taken all the sexiness away from it because yeah. it's too close. It's like the macro shot of a boob. <laughs> I'm like, I can't appreciate it when it's this close to my face. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, boobs on double. And then he convinces her, go get permission from Trish to to let's go fuck. Which again, I pre- this is something I appreciate. It's like Diane in another movie would just be like, I don't give a shit about my friends. Let's just go fuck. And in this, she's like, okay, I'm going to go and talk to my friends and just get permission. Mm-hmm. Right. But the girls are hanging out with the silly boys. Trish tries to put a cold hot dog onto the guy's shiner. And yeah, there's definitely a lot of like, they're like hand holding. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's very interesting dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, and Trish is 100% by this point, she's established that she's the leader of yeah. the gang. And she's definitely got some sass going on with her, which I wouldn't have thought from that first scene or first couple yeah. of scenes. And yeah, the bitchy girl isn't that bitchy. She comes in. It's just like, hey, I'm going to go and do this. And I'm like, all right, you go. But then she comes back to the car and her boyfriend's head falls right off. Oh, no. Hate when that happens. Just as we cut to Jackie using a juicer yeah. uh, on something red so they can't hear her screening. And Diane gets chased around by Thorn. And then we get the classic shot. And this is the classic shot. She sinks down and we get a shot between his legs yeah. as the drill rotates where his penis yep. should be. Yep. I was like, this feels appropriate for this movie. Yeah. <laughs> this this drill-as-penis shot feels yeah. very appropriate to this film. 
They wanted it for the poster, but it wasn't allowed it. So they had to offset the drill. It wasn't allowed to come from his groin. It had to come from his oh, nose. Interesting. Because I was as I'm watching, I was like, this is the poster shot right here. This is yeah. it. So in the poster, there's a bunch of girls between right. his legs. And actually, the main one wasn't even in the movie. Only one of these actors, I believe, is in the poster. Uh, the other one's a different actor. The blonde girl is. Yeah. Yeah. I know. This whole movie is just the man with his angry penis chasing after women. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. Over the road, Courtney heard the honking and the screaming. She's like, are they honking around over there? And this is where, honestly, the first time I watched it, this is where I was gradually realizing, oh, okay, so Valerie's definitely the final girl and it's right. not Trish. Although it is both of them. But again, Valerie's definitely more traditional. But we just don't get much time. I mean, we do get time with her. but she's And again, it, now I know the Halloween thing. like, so yeah, I guess we get similar amount of time. But it's just not like jamie lee curtis is ringing up the other people there's a connection yeah. between the well, and they're friends know. jamie lee curtis is genuinely friends with those people and she makes a choice to babysit mm-hmm. and as opposed yep. to be at the party right so it's more like oh sorry guys not so they are interacting with one another whereas right. val is totally separate from this group of women totally. Other than the fact that she happens to live across the street. So then every so then the women of the party aren't really a presence in any of the earlier scenes. And Val is never mm-hmm. a presence for the women until it becomes run and try to get help from her. Mm-hmm. And so that's why like the scenes with her and her sister, although sure, can be interesting character stuff and fun and whatever, are annoying to me because they it, it just distracts from what's it's going like from on from a different movie basically yeah 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 and i think it's something we're on the page i can imagine as you're coming up with this you'd be like oh are we too close to halloween let's just change this a little bit and then in your head you might be like this makes it even better because then they're going to get pulled in at the end through like they have to they're compelled to because they're across the road and they hear the stuff going on but when you make it it's like yeah it doesn't quite work we don't have that relationship going yeah. on like you say and it does feel like you're coming they need to, a to do at least have time. val and trish be friends like at least have them have some sort of relationship so that when val do that classic bullshit they used to be friends as kids and now they're not because trish is too cool you know or whatever bullshit you know just something i don't know the most shocking thing in this movie though is the pizza turns up and it's six dollars i know i know well no i think he says six 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 and i think that that's I think that's supposed or no, he says, he says six. six? For sure. I thought he says like sixes, yeah, or something. No, because then they repeat it as well. No, it's definitely six. Oh, because I, I had to listen to it a few times because like that pizza really cost six dollars. Yeah, I thought for sure it was like that he had already been drilled and that it was the murderer oh, saying right. sixes and that that was going to be his way in. It makes no sense to me. Everything that happens now. <laughs> I mean, this is proper slice of territory. They open the door. The pizza boy's there with no eyeballs presumably propped up somehow and then just falls dead and this is the turning point like every slasher movie has it oh we realize killings are happening what are you gonna do (sighs) their decision yeah (laughs) again not isolated in a suburban neighborhood with houses at stones throw away on all sides the decision is let's drag this body inside shut the door one of them's actually on the phone to coach at the time who hears like stuff happening and then the, the phone lines get cut. So she's basically the Dr. Yep. Loomis mm-hmm. of this. And the decision is going to be basically, fuck, we're going to turn off all the lights, close the curtains and lock the doors and hide inside our house. Which in some films, I think is the right decision. In this film, it's like there's fucking six yeah. of you. Right. And there are neighbors everywhere. Yeah. You just all run. Yeah. 
you just all get the fuck or out. Or even if you did decide help. to lock yourself inside the house, like you open a window on the top floor and you yell. Like yeah. or something. Yeah. Like this is a quiet Start 80s throwing shit at your neighbors. Yeah. Anything to attract attention to your house. I get that you don't have a phone and that was a huge thing at that time. But yeah, you make a yeah. scene in another way. Yeah. But they don't. So their only lifeline is that the coach heard stuff happening before the phone lines got cut. So she brings up Valerie knowing she's over the road. Initially says you should take a look. And then she's like, actually, it's a bad idea. Don't leave the house. I'm going to go and check it out. But then Courtney volunteers to go with her new hair and makeup mm-hmm. and then sulks because she's not allowed to. Right. Uh, and I well, just want to point out that Courtney to... has the best freaking goose lamp in her house. Oh, yeah. And if anyone mm. has a line on where I can get this lamp, please tweet me or DM mm-hmm. me in some so way. Good. I love this lamp. I want it. Especially it, it looks is. like the goose from Untitled Goose Game. And I want that. I want that goose. I, I legitimately have it in my notes. I love this yes. goose light, and I'm sure Katie. Did. I was like, "Where is that lamp from? I've never seen one of those. I love it. It's amazing." So the boys have a little meeting. Yeah, like we should really help the girls because we've been so helpful sp- up to this point by splitting up. It's like, <laughs> and one of them just turns and just like, "Hey, one of us probably won't make it. I know, but at least the other one will." It's, what is it's insane. Again. This is where I my notes are literally what the fuck what one of us oh uh, uh, maybe we should split up that that way one of us will make it the fuck why would you split up idiots like ten exclamation points <laughs> and they all they know is oh there's a dead yeah. pizza right. boy that's, that's it. it that's the level of yeah. threat yep and again it's like but when she says we, we should all split up this is a parody this is parody writing. Because right. you're like, that's yes. the worst idea. And you're obviously saying it in a way that you're like, no, that's a terrible idea. And yet everyone's like, oh, great idea. Let's do that. Yep. Which you fed to girls like, yeah, these guys are disposable. Let's let them do the business. So one of the boys is going out the front door. He gets a kiss from two girls. Yeah. Yeah. One of the guys going out the garage. Trish gives him nothing. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Save my life. <laughs> garage boy. See how it works out for the one who, who didn't get a kiss. He finds Diane dead and then gets a drill straight for his chest. Yep. Guy gets kissed by two girls, manages to get to Valerie's house, but she's watching a spooky movie. And if you're talking about girls screaming and boys don't hear it, this is a boy screaming for a long right. fucking time, pounding on a house. She does not. She really is determined to mm-hmm. not hear anything yeah. that's happening. Yeah. From a movie that's not very no. yeah. Well, and also, like, I get this is a Halloween reference and all that sort of stuff, but it's also... Why the fuck? Because she, she said multiple times throughout the evening where she's been spooked, you know, with the trash cans and her sister being a fuckhead. Why the fuck are you sitting down watching a scary movie alone in the den? What the fuck is wrong with yep. you, Val? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's not how you relax? No. <laughs> these are not logical choices. Thorne then creeps up on the guy, tackles him down just before she looks. You mean runs up on him. There's no creeping. Right. He's just Excuse like me. he yeah. peacocks up on him. <laughs> like peacocks. a peacock, he, take, he takes peacocks him the shit out of him. Peacocks the he, he, shit out of him. Expands his plumage right? to distract him. We get what? one of the most interesting kills. That again, you're going. You know, it's low hanging fruit, but you don't get stuff like this in eighty slash movies. We get cutting between Thorn stabbing this kid on the floor. While intercutting with the stabbing in the film that Valerie's watching, while intercutting with Valerie's eyes as she's watching what's mm-hmm. happening. 
I don't know if they're necessarily trying to tell us something. <laughs> I don't know if this movie has that kind of agenda, but it's visually cool mm-hmm. and interesting and edited in a way that you wouldn't normally get. And you can definitely tell that she's had a background in editing yeah. before mm-hmm. this because it's an idea that you wouldn't normally get in a movie like this. Again, a lot of slash movies from the 80s, you can love them because it's people who are excited about the genre and they're going out and just doing guerrilla filmmaking. And I love that shit. I can totally appreciate that. I get why people are all about that. But this is a movie where you can tell, no, there are people involved here who do actually have some skill mm-hmm. in their craft and are trying to exercise it every now and then. And I think a lot of that is just Amy, to be honest. What's weird to me is you then get Thorne is apparently counting his murders. Yeah. Which, as I say this out loud, is the only time I'm getting it. Because I guess the newspaper earlier said he did five killings oh, last time. He's trying to do five killings again. I did not again. get that. I oh, was very I think confused. Because he says one, two, three, four, I, and then he goes, shit. I thought he was like trying to, yeah, remember, he was like, oh, I thought I had more than this, and then realizes one is missing. Yeah, I thought he was keeping track of his bodies. They're like, huh, one is missing. Oh, shit, I left that guy kind of alive. Let me go take right. care of it. That's what I thought it was. Oh, That's what right, I thought okay. It okay. But I also believe okay. the other, so it could be either yeah. or. Yeah, but then he wouldn't need to do any more killings right. after this guy. Then this Well, guy no, because this would have been so, yeah, you're right. his fifth? Five, because he counts to four. He counts to four, and then he goes, yeah, shit. Yeah, so then he's got to get to six, which is maybe then why he takes a nap. But he killed five originally. Yeah, though. but so then he's got to top it. He has to kill six, right? <laughs> he's trying to top that guy. So yeah. then maybe that's then he why he takes a nap after, after killing Blondie. Maybe. This is like hibernation yeah. time. Well, the three girls, they're back to back at the fire with knives when they realize that they're hungry. And this is 100% where we, I know this scene is coming from the parody yeah. script originally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as they, yeah, they talked about it. They see the dead pizza guy and Jackie's like, he's dead and so cold. Well, no, one's like, he's dead and so cold. And the other one's like, it's the pizza? And Jackie just starts eating it off of his dead I'm into corpse. it. It's still good pizza. You I know. don't let pizza Honestly, you don't when, let pizza lie. The pizza didn't die. Yeah. When when he fell through the front door, that was kind of one of my first thoughts. Is like, are but the pizza's fine. Don't There's no blood it. on it. It's yeah, fine. The pizza is totally edible. Yeah. I'm with Jackie. It basically you got it for free because he didn't have to pay yeah. him. Yeah, true. So, Save six yeah. bucks. And well, for less for less than free, because you can take all the other yes. money he's been delivering and mm. take it. Taste, mm-hmm. no, it's you know what tastes nuts. better than pizza? Free pizza. I appreciate that she money eats it of on top of his say. body, though. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't like like I would have removed the pizza away from him, yeah. and then eat it. But she's like, no, nope, just right on top. Yeah, <laughs> plus she only like, takes like one bite. Like, come yeah. on, that should be a fucking IMDb. Yeah, picture. love it. Anyway, they do that, but wait. The boy is not dead. He's crawled, bleeding over to their front door. And I thought originally, oh, Thorne's using him to lure them out. But no. Well, uh, if he they- was, he's the terrible lore because all he's going to do is like faintly scratch on the right? door. <laughs> well, that's the thing. He fucking gets over there. He 100% can scream because yeah, he does it in right. a second when Thorne turns up. He's just a cat. But he doesn't call out. They could have saved him. So they don't know he's it's him. Whimpers. And then Thorne just comes over and drops yeah. him. Meanwhile, Coach is on her way. We're getting to see some of... Venice outside. It looks so good. And then Valerie goes to find Courtney and then sees, oh no, she's crept out to go to the slumber party because she just needs them boys. Yep. Dummy. Uh, So she goes after her while Thorne is back to the classic peacock hiding in the bushes again. We all know after a peacock kills, (laughs) hide in a bush. (laughs) Classic. Classic (laughs) peacock move. Classic I saw this on uh, on Geo, not Geo once. <laughs> so Jackie goes to let Valerie into the house, but hey, Thorn is there to kill her the moment she opens the motherfucking oh, door. No. 
Trisha Kim then door. run upstairs. Don't open that door. Do what Shannon would do. Barricade themselves in the bedroom. One hundred percent. I appreciate um, that. That's the choice. That's what I would do. <laughs> but yeah. I want to close a fucking window. Yep. <laughs> Valerie leaves Courtney out back for absolutely no reason. She's like really worried about it. Finds her and goes, "You stay here. I'm going to go into the house." Right. What the fuck? Yeah. No reason. Kim wants to warn Valerie, but Trish says maybe Valerie is friends with the murder. Don't know where yeah. that came from. I thought they were in love. Yeah, where, that where is such a weird line. Happen? I was like, the fuck? What? And then they even say it out loud. They're like, we're really assuming that the new girl from our basketball, one <laughs> yeah. of them's like the new girl from our basketball team you think might be in league with the killer who's yeah. we don't even know who's chasing us. Right. And it's also she drinks too inexplicably much milk. storming all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. Yes. Just lightning and thunder, though. No rain. Right. Just lightning no, and they, thunder. They could not afford a rain. It's going a lot to of storm those in, in, in Venice, California. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't happen. This is guys. where I wrote. I mean, I'm incredibly so confused. Rare. Where did Jackie's body go? Like he, this killer makes quick work of cleaning up bodies because there should be a body and blood by that back door as well. Yeah. Gone. While the girls talk, we see Thorn creep in silently through the window behind them. In the audio commentary, this is one of their favorite shots that he did. They like this shot a whole bunch. And he's just rubbing his handle. His, his blood lubed. The whole time. Right. Fist. And this is part of his being in character the whole time. He said, it, so the, the lines he's going to say later are what he would repeat in his brain the whole time. So whenever he's rubbing it, he's rubbing it to those lines, essentially, of, of the, like, I love you and, like, the pattern of how his words were. He really thought this stuff through. Yeah, again. Doesn't work for me. I've worked with men like him, and I hate him. They're <laughs> the worst. Gross, you guys. Uh, he does a fucking stupid windmill maneuver in slow motion, so obviously they just duck it and hit him in the head with a yeah. baseball bat. Yep. And then he starts groaning, and I'm like, oh no, please, is, is he going to talk? Oh, Gets up, and then stabs Kim as Trish escapes. This is the only time he doesn't do a drill kill. Yep. That's a stabby no, stab. he well, stabbed him. Stab the kid. The other the guy. Lawn. That was stabby stabby. Oh, okay. Thorn starts looking for Trish. Some cat and mouse stuff. Valerie and Courtney reunite outside. We get a, a actually I think it's a pretty cool shot as he's searching a closet and then leaves, and then we see that Trish has put herself inside like a fucking dry yeah. cleaning. Yeah, good move. I was impressed. Because as he's know. like banging around in there, I was like, oh, you just like you have to get to where even if he hits you, he assumes you're a piece of clothing. Yeah, but I mean, it would be terrifying. It would be ter- yeah. like, and if you were caught, you're straight up stuck. Like, there's no getting out of it. Yeah, but she's fine. Yeah. You could probably scare him. That's <laughs> like, true. Him behind right. like a plastic. <laughs> 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 I mean, nothing scares a peacock like someone in a dry cleaning bag. <laughs> I think it's like a possum um, where you can just like scare him and his feathers all come up and it might blind him and then you can get away. <laughs> yeah. So Connie has fun in this great shot where she double opens the fridge because she wants a oh, beer. Yeah, that's and Valerie's so like, not allowed beer. And we see Kim just stuffed inside it, which she, Kim in the audio commentary is like, yeah, it's really lucky I'd done a lot of acrobatics oh, yeah. training or whatever because they, I had to literally hold on to where you the light was in the fridge tell. with my other hand. Oh, yeah, hand. you can definitely tell. She's like holding <laughs> yeah. herself up and then putting herself back in the fridge. Yeah. But I love that it happens three yeah. times. Like yeah. it happens once, then it happens again, and then you think, okay, they're not going to see it, and then she goes back and they see it. <laughs> yep. It's actually probably if it was shot less goofily, it probably would be the most tense, fun scene yeah. Well, it's also a classic rule of threes, right? Same, same, different. So yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. But that's what I mean. But they understand that. Trish hides downstairs. Thorn approaches. Courtney hides under the sofa. I write down here, I hate this killer so damn much. 
Could we totally <laughs> skip over the part where Courtney was faking something out in the garden and Val finds her? Yeah, she was faking like, like lying down in right the before guard, Like, so fucking, what is this? Like, this is where I'm like, what is this character? Yeah. Like, agree. Like, she's, there's Courtney an actual murderer that they know of at this time. And instead, she's deciding to like prank her sister still. Yeah, she's 14. She's yep. crazy. She's insane. Kids be crazy. Fucking insane. monsters. We watch him pull the dead pizza boy who is still wearing his hat and then throws him down the stairs near Valerie. And then he takes his drill and slowly hides like Nosferatu under a blanket instead of the pizza boy as Courtney watches it Well, happen. this is the thing that drives me insane. Is that what he's meant to do? He's hiding under the blanket? It drives me. He sets his drill down in order to go and mm-hmm. remove the pizza boy's body. Oh, if mm-hmm. you are a smart woman, you pick up the fucking drill. She's not. She's 14 and crazy. She's insane. <laughs> I know, but or, or even like take the drill and get the fuck out. He's got no other weapons at that. Like they're just, it. he leaves the drill there right in front of her mm-hmm. for a long period of time. But do you appreciate what we're seeing here? What we're seeing here is Cropsy in the burning. Yes. When we come back, and Cropsy in the Burning is just under a blanket. This is how that looks totally if you don't cut away. It totally reminds me of that. What is that one film where it's behind the scenes? Behind the mask. That is exactly what this feels like. You have to watch it, Shannon, because this is what makes me laugh about horror movies. Is it's like, this is what's really happening when you do cut from this scene. And then you see the gym teacher who's going to come in and be like, oh, what's under this blanket? And we don't know. But the reality of that is, yeah, this guy had to like move that body, then get <laughs> right. his stuff. get or- And he even has this like little smile on his face as he's like pulling the blanket over his head. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. totally going to get somebody. And it's like, that is, is this behind the scenes footage of what it's like. Like to be a serial killer it's so funny to me which if you watch this as a, it. as a parody it's it does so work. funny i ne- had never watched it as a parody until I this time it. i'd always watched it as a failed it's horror so weird, though, where you're just like wait it is. what it's so just weird. happened i love it's it it's so weird i'm I, like i thought he was taking a nap i thought yeah. he was tired <laughs> i love it i love nope. it he's waiting it's so funny the coach appears goes toe-to-toe with thorn well, Valerie's downstairs looking for a weapon and then brings up a fucking bandsaw. Right. And I literally turn to Tom and I say, is that going to be battery powered? Because there's no way she's getting upstairs. And I love it because yep. she doesn't. She starts yep. running upstairs. The lead isn't long enough. She gets thrown backwards. If this was Tuckerndale versus Evil, that bandsaw is killing yep. her. Yeah. She gets thrown she backwards into it. it. But it's not. But again, this is where you see the parody. Yep. You see the parody stuff coming yep. through. And it's a bit Evil Dead as well. This one, yep. for sure. Instead, we're just going to keep seeing Trish running into rooms knife first in front of her face. Oh, yeah. This is where everyone's going to go crazy. So, Courtney trips Thorn up just as he's about to get Coach, who then wails him with a fucking fire poker. But she doesn't use the pointy end. They make it very clear that she is just hitting him with the flat end of the fire poker. (laughs) Which is like rubber, very obviously rubber. But we have here, we're going to get Thorn versus four women, (laughs) (laughs) essentially. So, Coach is wailing on him with a fire poker. Trish comes out of just nowhere, absolutely nowhere, insane. and just stabs him <gasps> and then stares at the blade in yeah. terror. And has a breakdown. And, and then Coach brilliant. has to like console her right. that she's just stabbed a guy. Absolutely brilliant. Then, unfortunately, Thorne gets up and like a weird slow motion monster slices Coach's belly. It's not shot very That's well. Weird. Whatever. So, we now got three women versus Thorne. And dialogue. 
And this is a bit that Tom actually said, and I'm, I'm not saying I agree with him, but Tom said if that had come earlier because he actually found this kind of creepy, then you might have found his character a little bit creepy. His lines are, and I've written it down uh. verbatim, how pretty. All of you are very pretty. I love you, which he says, to be honest, I do think that it's kind of creepy how he says yeah. I love you because he changes his intonation in an interesting way. And it says, takes a lot of love to do this. You know you want it. You love it. Yes. Those are his lines. And it is kind of mm-hmm. creepy. And I also think ties into like, I don't know, intentional or not, things that rapists say or like yeah. slow down, you'll enjoy it. All the things. To, you know what I mean? Like yeah. what's the last yeah. part of what he says? Takes a lot of love to do this. You know you want it. You love That's it. it. Yes. You know yeah. you want it. You'll love yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. No, completely. But he's the murderer. He's the bad guy. I, like, I don't think they're. Prom- I don't know how you're saying it, but they're not promoting. No, those no, no. I know, but I think film, that there. Clearly. I think there is something. I don't know what it is, but there's like a thematic catch yeah. to it. It's like this subcon. It's like this world building subconscious stream that is like constantly being fed to the women throughout yeah. this film. That they're like, these are the things that subconsciously are not. This is how we're meant to think. Right, of, they're so beautiful. Men. He's yeah. here to drill them with his drill penis, and that's how he gives them his love. Like we, we love this. This is what we want. But which might mean more if they came across like normal females in a horror movie, and the men were saving them, and the men were making them have sex, and like right. the normal things we see in this movie, it's the opposite constantly. None of these women ever look out of control. None of these women like they're controlling the guys in every single scene. Like, even the one who wants to have sex is because she wants to have sex and she's going to do it where she wants mm-hmm. to do it and go and ask permission yep. to do it from her female friends first. So, like, if they're going for that with him, it's like, okay, he's the only guy here. It, like, that, he's the only part right. of that yeah. message is the killer. I don't disagree and I think it's a problem right. with the film. <laughs> yeah, but he's not changing yeah. them. And it's like, I'm for that then, but then you have to have, like, okay, them being battered down by all these normal tropes and then confronting him is their symbolism of overcoming those normal yep. tropes. There's no real symbolism here because they're all already pretty strong, to yeah. be honest. And they just go a little crazier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had, like, even in the middle of it, I was so confused. I was like, I don't really understand where this plot is other than it's like, yeah. this is a very typical situation that you would find in a horror film where it's like, these girls are having a slumber party and there's a serial killer on the loose. Like, that is the mm-hmm. only thing that has any sort of, like, plot to it but there's no drive to this plot. Like there's no, there's no, no. overall goal that anyone is trying to reach other than this guy, no. his want or his goal is to kill these girls. And it's like, and I think, you, you know, you, you can always dissect these movies from that female point of view. But when I look at this, I'm like, well, this is the only, this is the, the only driving force of a male in this mm-hmm. film. Like the other men have been incompetent constantly mm-hmm. and all they are are like purveyors. Yeah. This is the only active male in this film. And when this is the only sentence you give him, again, I don't know. I, I've got to give some credit because it's this feminist activist who wrote it. And I think she was trying to say something. And then I don't know where Amy changed stuff and when she didn't. And then I don't know how much Peacock Man added or mm-hmm. didn't. But these sentences have to mean yeah. something then. You know, they're like, they whether you want them to or not, this is very important. And for me you can look at from that female way that we've been talking about but yeah you can also look at from the male way of like this for me is then is what you're saying about men it's like he is driven to this by these base things of like how pretty you're all so pretty i love you all Mm -hmm. 
which is something that all the men have basically shown in this. And as a guy who is a guy and I was a teenager, uh, yeah, every single woman around you who shows you any attention or doesn't, you're like, I love all Mm -hmm. of you. You're just like driven to insanity by that. And I don't know if there's smart enough to have a commentary on that, but I do think there's also an unwitting commentary of like, yeah, the only male active character here is is insane Mm -hmm. and doing terrible things because he thinks he's in love with all of these women. Yeah, but anyway, it is generally a little creepy. I hate my villains talking, but I do think it's actually, his inflection here is quite good because it's all over right. the map. yeah. All over the map. Like when he does that, like, all very pretty, and then he goes, I love you, and kind of does it like this weird question mark. Right. And like, it's terrible and it's very overacted, but it is also kind yeah. of creepy. But anyway, out of nowhere, then Valerie turns up with Jason's machete. Yep. Misses. So then he runs to the pool and she's just fucking chasing him outside. This is all a reshoot, by the way. Originally, Amy doesn't even remember what they shot. They shot something else that was very similar, but it didn't play place near the pool. They then reshot it by the pool. Ended up ruining these people's pool with the amount of blood that went into uh, it. Yeah. But yeah. She chases, chops his manhood down by obvious, in the most obvious symbolism in the entire right. film, chopping his drill yeah. bit. But I was also like, Not I mean, it's half, still a drill. <laughs> and honestly, she kind of made it sharper. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's now easier to wield and we can do somehow sure. more damage. So I don't know that he did a but lot. It doesn't matter because you're taking away I his know. power, right. obviously. Yeah. And then, yeah, if that wasn't enough, chops his fucking hand off, which clearly, like, I don't have the budget for effects here. They, someone clearly had a hand just yeah. lying around because it's kind of shocking. He starts screaming, and then she or then she does his belly. He falls into the pool. Valerie and Courtney start hugging. Thorn rises up, obviously, goes for them. As crazy Trish reemerges out right. of nowhere to stab him yet Knife again. First. Misses. She is like fucking crazy pants when she comes out of a room. She's, a, she, yeah, she's, she's amazing. Literally two end. hands holding a knife, jutting out, just running. I was like, if anyone else had been standing between you and him... You would have murdered other people. Need to yep. figure it out. Oh, and she, and she <laughs> misses. So he launches himself at Valerie, who just holds out the machete and impels him on it. They all are exhausted. There are some tears. We hear sirens and egg yep. credits. Out. Just, yeah. Done and dusted. No coda. Body count, 12. Oh. All right, then. What's the boob count? Three? Four? count 3.5 three unique pairs of breasts were seen during this movie one singular boob that was a stunt boob anonymous boob during this movie anonymous boob (laughs) when the film was complete they did a test screening at a theater on hollywood boulevard and the crowd went nuts screaming laughing making droll noises throughout talking back at the screen amy interpreted this as a terrible thing left the cinema to the lobby found roger corman and said to him, my God, Roger, what did we do? And he turned to her and replied, we had the best preview in the world I was going to say, history. he was probably like, we made a masterpiece. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's like, you obviously don't know horror. The original film was supposed to be around about 90 minutes. I mean, we've gone on a long time, which I didn't think yeah, was going to happen with this movie. Turns out there's a lot to talk about. It's 77 minutes long, this film. It's really fucking yeah. short. But yeah, it was originally meant to be 90 minutes. They had a different ending, like I said. Um, but she thinks it was, it was roughly the same. She honestly doesn't remember. There was also a scene cut where the girls played a Ouija board that spelled out death because, of course. And then the last couple of things I have to say, it's kind of stuff I touched on before, but I just want to say, in a 2018 interview, Brink Stevens 
she did a nude scene since she talked about this film basically in the nudity and said it was early in my career and nudity was simply the rule what was expected of us we just went along with it because we wanted to work i'd never been shy about nudity uh, she was actually a new model before she started acting and she said good thing too because my willingness to undress landed me a lot of good roles and helped me to get better noticed by fans however i was never comfortable doing explicit love scenes with a guy so i tended to turn those kind of parts down in almost every case the directors have been very good about asking non-essential personnel to leave the set and we were treated respectfully but then there you are totally naked on the big screen being watched by hundreds of people. And I'm quite relieved that I've reached such an age when I'm no longer asked to do this. And it's left to younger starlets. <laughs> and Amy Holden Jones, as I mentioned earlier, but I just want to say in, in her words, she's not very sympathetic to people who complain at a woman who produced an exploitation flick with a lot of naked girls in it. Or saying that she's a sellout to her gender. Quote, that's what Roger Corman, the producer, wanted, and that's how it's done. You give the studio what they want. Nobody complains that Scorsese, Jonathan Demme, and Ron Howard made exploitation pictures. But when a woman tries, she gets called a hypocrite and a turncoat, and that's bullshit. Wow. Mm. All right, guys, we've gone a long time. Slumber Party Massacre. Let me know your thoughts. And also, if you're intrigued in watching a part two or not, you don't need to say whether you've made your decision yet because you should reflect. But if you're intrigued... Mm-hmm. Let's start with Katie on this one. I mean, I kind of feel like I voiced a lot of how I feel throughout, which is probably why this has already gone on so long. But I just, I guess I now knowing that it was written as a parody, I really wish it would have just chosen that lane, to be honest. I think it would have been in the forefront of its genre, especially being directed and written by a woman. I think it would have been an amazing parody at this time to have this particular film in the vein that it is being shot in with the budget that it had, I think it would have been an amazing parody. But as it was where it written as something and then filmed as something else, and then you throw Roger Corman in, I know I've used this term several times already, but it muddies the water for me. And I was like, there were so many times I wanted to laugh, but I just sat there and found myself like very confused and trying to like study what it was trying to tell me. And again, like Shannon has been saying, where I'm like, oh, does that thing on the wall mean something? Does that thing that that guy just said to her mean something? Does the three lines that the killer actually utters, is that what I'm supposed to be clinging to? Like, what is it trying to tell me? Because I get the whole, like, anything you can do, I can do better sort of vibe from the women. But it's also pushed to this mockery level of women can be anything but that doesn't mean they have to be everything. Women can, yes, play basketball, but that doesn't mean that they have to only think about basketball. And when they're having a slumber party, only be worried about like what the score is. And it's just, yes, not all men are huge macho saviors, but that doesn't also mean that they're all imbecile and useless. And so it's just... It feels like it should have been a parody and the fact that it wasn't feels like a waste a little bit. But I love it. But I also feel it's it's going to be one of those movies that's best used as a silent backdrop to a party because it's such hmm. a good looking movie, but it's confused in its message that it's trying to give me. Are you intrigued in the sequel? I guess I would be uh, intrigued is the right word. I don't know that excited is the right word. Knowing that they're all written and directed by women. I mean, yeah, I would like to see. Is it the same woman? No. Okay, then yeah, I'd be interested to see what another person or another woman would do with this material. Okay. 
Jenna. Again, I also kind of, I think I said a lot of what I have to say throughout the podcast. And I agree a lot with what Katie is saying is that I don't know what I'm supposed to take from it. I don't know what I'm supposed to be afraid of. If I'm supposed to be afraid, I feel now knowing that this script was originally written as a parody like that does. I can see that now in it. And and so then it just feels muddy and mixed to me because it's parody. And But then also, like, I do think there are serious metaphors and things like that that they're playing with in order to try and make it more serious film, right? Like, the, the director works with Scorsese and all this sort of stuff. I feel like she's trying to make this something that it wasn't necessarily written to be. And therefore, it feels weird. The... All of the like, we're women and we play sports and we're this and we're that and blah, blah, was so heavy handed that it was annoying to me. Like, let's call up coach and seek it and get the stats on so and so baseball play like all of this stuff and as a very athletic woman and one that play has played sports her entire life, I can tell you I've never once done that. <laughs> like it just felt so heavy handed that it was then comical. But then this movie is telling me not to take it comically, but then also to take it comically. So then I'm just confused. I don't the you know, we're trying to make a different but same Halloween. So this mixed story of Val and Courtney across the street, cutting away to that is weird. I feel like what's most interesting to me as a horror movie and what I talked about earlier is the idea that like just fucking being a woman alone is scary right like that scene of the coach in her home alone that we find is a cat thing setting up that like no one is safe you know because all of these women all the three different homes have different scares in them right that's just from being spooked by being alone as a woman that is scary. I find this movie scary. It did. It, I woke up in the middle of the night and it kept me up at night because then I was just thinking of every man intruder stories, right? And so I do think that there is something there as a legitimate horror movie, but it bounces back and forth between is this an exploitation film or is this have a message? And that leaves me as an audience member just trying to figure out what I'm supposed to take from it, you know, which is ultimately just confusing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I like I wouldn't say I liked it because I don't like any of these films. I find myself like <laughs> reading more into it than I probably should be just knowing that it's a female writer and director. Like, I do feel like there's messaging in it that's interesting, but then it's also a parody script and so I'm just I'm confused. I don't know what I'm supposed to take away from it. So would I be interested in watching Slumber Party 2? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> and ultimately, like the intrudery stuff like that gets me. I was scared in a way that like at night that some of these other films that are certainly darker and scarier in some ways and more gruesome. I can put those aside because they don't involve a normal man trying to break into my home fair <laughs> yeah i don't disagree with either of you like it, it this is clearly a very model film 
I have a real affection for this film. And every time I go back to it, I try and figure out why. And it is just something about, yeah, I like that more Halloween style. There's a bit of that flavor there. So I just like it. I do like that the characters aren't all one note. I think that's to its detriment for enjoyment, but I kind of like that about it as well. I do like a lot of the aesthetic with it. I think there's just, again, it's a very cheap movie, but there's a lot of aesthetic here still and a lot of director decisions, which a lot of these movies don't have. And I appreciate that. And this is a movie which I think, yes, from the writer and from the director, unfortunately, it becomes muddled. And then you can throw Roger Corman in there and it gets even more muddled. And then, you know, a guy's being a peacock. Who knows what's happening? <laughs> it's it's all over the peacock. map. But I don't think any of it is redacted. Uh, not redacted. I don't think any of it. There are films like, say, like The Burning, where I can enjoy The Burning more than I can enjoy this film. But it does things which I think pushes what we need in the genre backwards. You know, there are scenes in that film which are very, not not just negative, but, you know, they're actually like devolving mm-hmm. the genre. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that this film is always evolving the genre, but I think there are things which are. And sometimes it hits dead ends because of that. And sometimes it gets confused because of that. And sometimes it just sort of is lost somewhere <laughs> because of that. But I think it's trying to push it to different places, sometimes through parody and sometimes through being serious, and it makes it less of an enjoyable film, but more of a noble film in my mind. It's a film where it's like, I, I, I can't claim everybody had good intentions, but enough of the key creative team here did. And they might have had jarring alternate interpretations of what they're trying to do, but I don't think either were a negative thing in the genre. So I'm just happy it exists. And I find it very, the word, honestly, that I use for it is endearing. Mm-hmm. Like I find it quite an endearing movie. I think it's, again, for this genre, very harmless and instead quite productive in right. certain ways, but not in mm-hmm. every way. And that for me is just refreshing, I guess. When you watch as many 80 slasher films I have, this film is refreshing. Yeah, I guess like when you um, do try to I'll go f- into a new direction, like you are going to hit, you know, hurdles and obstructions that are di- like yeah. that you don't know what to do with. So, And I will say as soon as I finished this movie, I immediately went and watched the sequel <laughs> that same night. but And I have a little slight ace up my sleeve, particularly for Shannon with that one. But before we get to the tease for next week and a little bit about Some Party Massacre 2 as well, please do go and subscribe to us. Please do rate us. Go and buy Watch Starfish if you want to. You can shout about it and be angry. It's on iTunes. It's on Amazon. And if you don't want to pay for it and go on Hulu, watch it there or torrent it. Do whatever you got to do. You could also do things with stuff legally. I should probably tell you, please don't torrent <laughs> our movie because my distributor will get upset with me. I'm Mr. Al White on everything. You can play Xbox with me, PlayStation with me. You can look at the pictures that I do on Instagram. You can read my silly thoughts on Twitter. And if you send me a fan request on Facebook, I probably will ignore <laughs> it. What about you guys? I'm Shannon Hollander on Instagram. It's the only thing I use. Give her a job. Tits are extra. Give me a job. <laughs> I'm my dearest Watson on Instagram and at Watson dearest for Twitter, which again, if you know where I can get a goose lamp, get at me. Yes, absolutely. Next week, guys, we are returning to Canada. Yay. Back to the home of my bloody Valentine. We're going to be watching a little film called Curtains, one that I've been excited for you guys to watch. I'm not going to reveal why. But yeah, I have particular interest in this movie. And I'm very particularly interested in how Shannon's going to take this movie. Because it's to do with actresses. Oh, man. And it will feature a similar mask to the one in Terror Train that was an old woman. Which kind of mask? I want to go back to the stage fright mask. The one, an owl mask. Yeah, you're not going to get it. Also, I can confirm, uh, includes ice skating. Mm. 
But then in a few weeks' time, we will be picking whether you want to do Slum Party Massacre 2 or not. I'm going to give you a tiny pitch here for the slide. Uh, you already know why Slime Night Deadly Night Part 2 is one of the funniest movies of all time with the eyebrow mm-hmm. acting. There's a little lace up the sleeve, Shannon, for why you might be interested in Slumber Party Massacre Okay. 2. I'm going to read you the plot summary here from IMDb. Courtney Bates, the younger sister of Valerie. Nope. Go fuck her. Played by a different actress. And her friends go to their condo for a weekend getaway. But Courtney can't get rid of the haunting feeling that a supernatural rockabilly <laughs> driller killer <laughs> is coming to murder them all. Never mind. Now I'm intrigued. <laughs> In your group chat right now, you're going to find a picture of the poster. And we won't do it now, but before next week's episode, I can promise you that Shannon and Katie will watch the trailer for this movie <laughs> for their consideration. And there's a lot oh, of rockabilly music in it. I'm interested. God. I love rockabilly music. As it goes full comedy, full parody with singing and production and oh, like crazy. Man. Cra- it's it's legendary as one of the craziest horror films. All right. Well, I, now I'm interested. I'm definitely excited. But anyway, we'll All get right. to your decisions later. Until next Friday, guys, when we get to do curtains, we are out. Geeks. 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 <laughs>